Thanks for coming on, AJ Wilkerson. Thanks, bro. I appreciate you doing this. What's dude. up? Absolutely, guys. Thanks for having me. This is dope. Absolutely, dude. Fuck. Hell yeah, <laughs> man. Your vo- your van is super dope. I love it. My van is a shitbox on wheels, uh, <laughs> but I love it. It's my shitbox. <laughs> Hell yeah. Everybody needs their own shitbox, man. So, uh, what's your story for people who people who aren't familiar with you? What is uh, what's your story and what's your background? Yeah, so I'm a uh, I'm a stand up comedian and I'm autistic. Um, so uh, I, I started stand up like two years ago after I got diagnosed um, and got my medical marijuana prescription because that was really like that like the anxiety was really the thing that kept me from doing it. Like I just thought before I found out I was autistic, I just thought it was like just really bad anxiety, and I thought I had some other mental health shit going on. Uh, but I just thought, like, I love stand-up, but I was just like, that's not something I'll ever physically be capable of doing. Mm-hmm. And then I then I got diagnosed, and then I got my medical marijuana card, and weed gives you that little bit of fuck around and find out. You know Hell what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. <laughs> so. So it was a big help. Yeah. Mix a little yee-yee in the sauce and yeah. <laughs> gave it a shot, you know? How old were you when you got diagnosed with autism? Uh, 30. 30? Yeah. That's weird. That seems like super late, doesn't it? Uh, Is that not t- kind of, but not really. So a lot more people are getting diagnosed later in life now because like it just, people just didn't know a lot about it when we were growing up. Like there's like this generation gap, like with autism. So like I was born in 88 and Asperger's wasn't even a diagnosable condition until like months after I was born, you know? So by the time they start testing for that, I was like four or five. There still was so little known about it. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. That and I had I was smart enough that I could pass most of my testing and education stuff, and so it just kind of kind of slipped through the cracks, you know. And I was intelligent enough that I could I like learned my own like coping mechanisms and like camouflage techniques and like masking techniques to blend in with everybody. So I knew how to fit in, but it was just it just caused so much mental wear and tear from like, you know, basically constantly acting and pretending to and like kind of hiding it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, autism doesn't necessarily mean you're not intelligent, right? I mean, right, Elon exactly. Musk just said that he has uh, he has Asperger's. Asperger's. Yeah, yeah, which if I had been diagnosed earlier in life, I would have technically what would be Asperger's. They just don't diagnose it as Asperger's anymore. It all falls under uh, autism spectrum disorder now. Really? Yep. Since when? Uh, since like 2007, 2010, somewhere in there. Wow, I had no idea. I didn't either. I didn't know until I was getting diagnosed, like when I was doing my initial like observation and everything, and it, like 15 minutes into like a four-hour appointment, like the doctor just stops and he's like, so just so you know, you're definitely on the spectrum. You know, we're going to keep going and figure out, you know, exactly where, but you're definitely you're autistic. Yeah. Hmm. So what are the key signs to tell that you're autistic? Um, so the, it's not that there's really key signs because autism, there's it's it's literally, it's a spectrum. There's so many different uh, faucets like facets to it. So like, um, the best way I can explain it is like, think about like a color wheel, like throw darts at a color wheel and wherever those darts land are like the traits that this autistic person would have, but everyone gets to throw, everyone like throws their own darts. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like for me, like my autism is, um, I have like, I have issues with communicating sometimes. So like I built, I didn't realize until after I was older and like getting diagnosed, I was like, Oh, not everybody does this, but like I'll build word clouds in my head. So I know where I'm going in a conversation and like, but then that means I'm not listening as much to the other half of the conversation because I'm thinking of what do I say next to keep this conversation going and not seem like a weirdo, you know? Um, I can relate to that. (laughs) Yeah. So things like that. I struggle a lot with like um, executive function. So like that, that voice you have in your head, like when your alarm clock goes off, 
you know, and you hit the snooze button twice, that voice in your head when the alarm goes off that third time is like, hey, we can't hit snooze. Like, we got to get up. We got to go to work. We got to pay bills. We got to, I don't have that, whatever that thing is that kind of keeps you on track. Um, or at least not in like the traditional sense. It's more like, um, like we have, we have terrible radio signal, like, and we're just communicating through walkie talkies. You know what I mean? Mm. So when I'm, when I'm up on a hill, you know, I can, I can hear him, you know, I've, I'm, I've got that reception and I've got that inner, but then when I'm, you know, when I'm down, you know, in a valley, I'm not getting reception, you know? (laughs) So can't really communicate with the warden, you know. <laughs> That's a really. I good call way him. To the, put I it. call him the warden because recently I did acid for the second time. Nice. And I did like a guided meditation that a friend had sent me, and cool. so yeah, the whole Pink Floyd triangle thing, like talk to your inner self, and I literally I was like, hey, look, the warden, the inmates can't be running the asylum here. All right, <laughs> yeah, like you got to take control yeah. here. Yeah, wow. had my my own little psychedelic come to Jesus moment, you know. That's super cool. Yeah, dude. Yeah, you, yeah. Can, you can see that, like when you watch Elon talk. I always thought that it was just like he was so smart. That's why he talked like that because he just has too many ideas to be able to cycle through his. Well, and that's kind of that's kind of the other part of it for me is like is like information processing, like. If you think about, like, your brain is like a highway, right? Like, you, most people have so many lanes, and so it's easier for them to direct traffic. Well, I've got, like, an 18-lane fucking highway, you know? Like, so I'm just trying to frogger across and just grab hold of something, you know what I mean? Hell so yeah. there's just so many ideas flying by at one time that it's hard to stay on track and focus. But then the other aspect of that is if I do grab onto something, I can fall into that hole and not come out for days. Yeah. <laughs> you know uh, what I mean? Like, um... During COVID, I was I was doing I was working on a tour and we were trying to put together like some video stuff. And so I was doing video editing and I literally fell into a hole and I I was editing video for forty two hours straight. Mm. No sleep, no like bathroom breaks and food and that was it. And I just kept was just in a hole. I couldn't stop. You're just hyper focused. Yeah. It, well, it was it was that, and it was like I can't let this go until it's done because I know I have that thing in my brain. It's like I know once I let it go, it's gonna be really hard getting back here. Yeah. You know. Yeah, they so. say that a lot of people who are like really good at certain things, like a lot of like a lot of people who are I always thought that pro video game players some some of them because they're so antisocial and they're so really good and like laser focused at this one thing, this one specific game. And there's another guy who uh Clay Marzo, he's a professional surfer. And he was, like, a, a very antisocial guy. Didn't like to ha- talk to people. Didn't like to talk to anybody. But he was, like, one of the best, wildest, most creative surfers I've ever seen. And I always, for some reason, just associated Asperger's with people like that. People just, like, per, like yeah. laser focus on one thing. It's all they can think about. Well, and that's that – it's – you're you're – fucking spot on because that's the the deal but for me for a long time like because I didn't I wasn't sure what that thing was for me that I was going to be really good at and so I didn't realize it but I'd have these really intense hobbies but I would only have them for really short periods of time like I've learned to do all sorts of crazy shit like I grew up in construction like we were talking about outside um excuse me um, so I got into like woodworking and like crafting stuff and like, like making things from wood. And I, I was, you know, doing a lot of woodwork and like had like did like an Etsy store and was like selling stuff on there. And then from, from woodworking, then like I got burnt out on woodworking and I was like, I, this isn't it. I don't want to do this, but you know, maybe it is something with my hand, something tactile with my hand. So then I went into like leather working and then I went into like the Kydex making those like molded plastic, like holsters and stuff like that. And then from there I went into like, uh, like the uh, fucking, I don't have any to, but like the paracord, 
like how people make oh, okay. like the bracelets yeah, and the lanyards yeah. and like yeah. yeah. So I was making like these braided like you know twelve foot dog leashes out mm-hmm. of out of you know making these weird jigs so I could like you know make all these weird designs patterns and, and designs yeah. and stuff. And so I just I would have these weird intense focuses. And then I would just burn out on them. And just you know? go to something So, else. like, yeah, seven, eight months, and then be like, nope, this isn't it. What's next, you know? <laughs> and uh, I was in one of those um, when I was getting diagnosed. I wanted to make, like, my own cartoon. I was like, "That's this is the next thing. Like, I, I want to do something creative and fun, you know? And so I was trying to make my own cartoon. So I was, like, trying to teach myself how to draw and how to animate and how to, like, storyboard and, like, all of this stuff all at the same time. And while we were doing the, like, the... Um, observation that appointment uh, at the University of Florida at their Center for Autism and Related Disabilities like going through all of that and I was telling him about this idea and he's like so you definitely like you like you need like a creative outlet of some kind but the like what you're trying to do now isn't releasing that pressure valve like there's too many obstacles between you and releasing that actual pressure from your brain he's like why don't you just try like you want to make people laugh. It's not like you have like a, like humor seems to be like the element you're best with communicating with. So why don't you try like doing like an open mic or something? And I was like, all right, sure. (laughs) Let's, you know, Uh, and then I fucking did it. And then ever since then, I was like, this is the thing. Like that first time I, you, like I got a laugh on stage, like, like something just kind of clicked into place, man. Okay. It was a doctor that suggested open, uh, stand up comedy. Yeah. That's pretty really? cool. Yeah, because like I said, like during that observation, we spent like four hours together, and literally, it's just it's all it's almost like in like if someone were interviewing you for like to to like write your biography, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Like everything about your life, like what do you remember from your childhood? What what about this? Like what about this? Like all of these questions, and as he starts building this up, like he's basically building a profile of like you know, these are some of your traits. Like these are some of the things you struggle with, like going through all of that. Right. And that was just something that he highlighted was like, you need like some like method of creativity because they're like you, you have, I, so that, that talking about that highway earlier, Mm -hmm. he's like, you're basically your highway is backed up because you can't get this traffic off of the highway. Yeah. So you have, you have to find a way to get this traffic off the highway or it's never going to unblock, you know? And so that's why he's like, you know, you have all of these hurdles, like teaching, you're trying to teach yourself how to draw and animate and storyboard and trying to learn like five different skills at one time. Yeah, that's a lot. And you have to do all of that before you can reach that create creative level. Right. So you're, you're basically hampering yourself. Like just go straight to the tap. Yeah. You say when you reach the creative level, you mean like, so like, you mean like releasing it to the public and letting people experience what you created or the creative process of it because um, the creative process obviously is something like a cartoon there's a lot of there's like days and hours and weeks and months of production and drawing and right animating and so I, w- I would call that production versus like the creative process of actually like sitting down and like writing out the ideas but mm-hmm. then also getting that feedback of presenting it to an audience you know what i mean mm-hmm. like right. and getting that feedback and response because like you can write it but if you write it and it just sits somewhere, mm-hmm. like, have you actually, like, it's almost like you haven't finished. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's not done. Like, it's out, but you still need that feedback before, like, you know, like, you need to make sure that traffic is safe to exit before yeah. you can kick it out completely. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, is this something I need to, I need to bring back and keep in my head because I need to rework on it? Yeah. And make it it better, or is this the final version? So I have to do that before I can clear that traffic from the freeway. And he's Mm. like, that's where your holdup is. Just get out in front of people. Yeah. Get the, like, that's immediate feedback. Right. You know? So had you done any creative writing prior to that? 
Um, when I was a kid, you know, like, yeah. um, I won. I so that was the thing. Like looking back now, I was like, wow, I should have been on this track of like creative writing the whole time because like yeah. in uh, second, third, and fourth grade, like I won awards for like children's writing contests and stuff. Like oh, wow. uh, I won like a young authors award <laughs> for shit. like a children's book about a princess and a dragon. Like it was you know just <laughs> yeah. stuff kids write. You know, but you were um, obviously good <clears throat> at it then. Yeah, but. Part of talking about like that executive function and 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 like task management and things like that. Once I got to a certain point in school, what we were learning was boring to me because right. uh, like I learned this on my own. Like I'm gonna read my own book. I'm gonna do my own thing. You know. So you kind of get like you kind of lose track of what you're doing when you like when you're if you're intelligent and you give your you get free time, and there's no structure to it. You know, just goes off somewhere so it never it never made it to creative writing because that was given as an assignment so it felt like work like i didn't have i i never reached that point where it was like oh no this is a fun thing for me because it was somebody telling me to do it as opposed to me wanting to do it yeah you know and like like if you force someone to do something even if it's something they enjoy there's gonna be that yeah don't feel the same exactly so it took me like rediscovering it later in life to realize like, oh, you know, cause I was just, I was just in my friends group because I like, I have a small circle of, of people that I just, I'd gotten so comfortable with. We've been friends for like decades. You know what I mean? And like some people like uh, I can meet and things just click. Like there's no awkward, anything it was like, oh no, I, I get this person. And then we're, we're good, you know? Um, but it's, that doesn't happen often. So I have like a small group of friends and I was, you know, I was the funny friend. And then, uh, you know, at a certain point, I was like, like, uh, one of my friends, Ben, like, used to encourage me. He's like, you should try open mics. And I was just like, like I said, I can't physically do it. Yeah. You know, because, like, I tried it. I, I went to try it one time. I went to an open mic when I was, like, 23, and I was going to go up on stage. And I was just, I, got, I was shaking so bad, I went to the bathroom, threw up, and just left. I didn't yeah. even stay oh, and watch God. the show. Okay. Yeah. It was just, yeah, it was just so, so super bad anxiety. Uh and then I, I was going to try again when I was married. So I was like 26. I was going to try again. And uh, I was not a healthy relationship. So uh, she talked me out of it. It, it oh, was like, fuck. you know, do you really like, do you really think you're funny enough that other people are going to want to hear, like sit and listen to you? And I was like, ah, good call. Good yeah. point. No. Yeah. <laughs> you know, cause who, who, yeah. Who's full of themselves enough to be like, yeah, this room full of people is yeah. definitely going to want to hear what I have to say. <laughs> right. So I just didn't have that. What was it like the first time you actually went on stage and did a set? Um, terrifying. Uh, and I and here's the thing: like at the time, I wasn't good. Like, I, I'm still not good. Like, cause, like I said, I've always been a fan of comedy, so I've studied comedy and like you know, and so like can, like I know what like the great level is. You know, in my mm-hmm. in my brain, I know what that like that marker is, mm-hmm. and I know I'm nowhere near that marker. You yeah. know what I mean? <clears throat> Like I am on the footpath outside of the parking lot outside of my Mount Everest. Do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah. um, but you're heading in. Yeah, I'm heading in. I'm heading in. You know, we're getting a little elevation. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> but uh, at the t- I mean, at the time, it was my first time ever doing it. So I had like one like like three minute story bit that I was doing in it. Like I had I had like maybe like three lines in three minutes that got like a laugh. Mm-hmm. But I got that first one and I was like, oh. And then I had All like right. some giggles and stuff like that. Yeah. You know. But those three laughs was like three. That's all I needed. I got three, you mm. know. And uh, from there, it was just 
all in. Like I, uh, I found like a comedy, like a writer's group, like a writer's workshop and that, that would meet every Sunday. And so I started going to that and like working and like, like coming in with new material and, and workshopping material and stuff. And then the guy that led that workshop was like this, this old road comic. And he kind of like took me under my wing and became like my comedy dad. Cool. And, uh, you know, maybe like three months in after, after a show. Um, so it, he, we had this show at like a world of beer out in like this small little town called Jonesville. And it was like, it was in one of those like mini shopping centers that was right outside of like a, like a gated community kind of thing. Okay. So it was everyone from that community came to that Went bar. There. Right. So my first time doing that show, I did like 10 minutes. And after the show, Bob pulled me aside. He's like, Hey, you did a really great job. Blah, blah, blah. He's like, but I know like that's all the material you have right now. So I can't have you back out here for a couple of weeks. Like I have to let people forget your stuff. <laughs> it's the same right. People. Yeah. But I, I, in my head, I was like, Oh, challenge accepted. And mm-hmm. that was like a Thursday show. And I showed up Sunday to the workshop with a whole new 10 minutes. Oh yeah. Yeah. And so I went through that and he's like, after that workshop, um, he pulled me aside. He's like, he's like, I don't know. He's like, I don't know if like anyone said this to you yet or anything. He's like, but the fact that you could do that that quickly and come back and like, you have that tenacity for it. He's like, you could do this for a living if you wanted to. And as soon as somebody said that, like, Oh, you can do this for a living. I was like, bet that's what we're doing. Sick. You know? And so I just dove all the way in and I started treating it. Like I started treating it like my job. Yeah. How long has it been? Two years. Two years. Yeah. It's, which is insane. Like for me to be where I'm at in two years. Uh, yeah. Like, so, um, so dirt right before COVID I got, so I'd been doing comedy like 11 months. Um, and I got booked for my first tour and it was through this like entertainment company out of Tallahassee. And so it was like, it was a variety tour. So it was like a couple, like two rappers, like an R and B singer, um, like some spoken word poets. And I was the only comedian on the, you know, um, but they, they booked us like this Airbnb in Tallahassee for six months. We, we all went to Tallahassee. We were rehearsing for a couple of weeks and then starting the tour. And, uh, the day after we signed paperwork, lockdown started. Oh, fuck. yeah. So we're all in this Airbnb in Tallahassee. I'd given up, you know, my place and stuff like that. So we were just in this Airbnb for the tour, you know? And, uh, we stayed for a couple more weeks. We like rehearsing and we did a couple, like a couple like streaming shows just try. And then eventually we realized like it's not opening up anytime soon. Like tours canceled. Yeah. And so from there I was like, okay, so I have until this date basically to be out of the Airbnb and then I'm homeless. So what do we do? Like, what's the move? And so I I was like, this is what I want to do. Like I got this tour. I can get something else. You know what I mean? And I, so I just bought a van, converted it into like a shitty camper, like a, it's a it's a real redneck land yacht, man. Like it's yeah. Uh but what kind of van, what kind of, yeah, what what kind of van, van is it? It's a nineteen eighty seven GMC Safari. Nice. Yeah, it was a it was a wheelchair conversion, so it had like the uh the fiberglass like pop top on it. Okay. For some uh, extra room. Yeah, for some extra room and it had it had a wheelchair lift in it, but the previous owners uh when they tried to take the wheelchair lift out after like the the older relative had passed away they busted out the side window so it's mm. just plywood nice. plywood window yeah real skeevy looking Hell you know yeah. fits in you, good in florida how do you run the ace do you leave it running all night or how do you no so i have a, i have a generator on like one of those like hitch carriers on the tailgate yeah um so and i've got like a window ac unit like in the like oh, in the back shit. of the roof 
So yeah, so I can run the generator and run that air conditioner, but more more often what I do is I've got a uh, I've got like a little solar battery pack, like one of those ones you get from like REI, like a 500 watt solar pack that I can mm. recharge through my cigarette lighter and stuff. Oh, cool! And so and then I've got one of those little desktop portable air conditioners that you fill with like ice water and then it like pushes out like cold air. Oh, really? And so I set that up in the back of the van and run it off of that pack. Nice. And yeah, and then I've got like the like that insulation, like that uh like the tin foil with the oh, like yeah. the like air the bubbles in stuff. it. Yeah. Yeah. So I've got those and I've got them like set up like with uh little like adhesive pads like the Velcro. Yeah. So I put those over the windows and stuff and insulate the windows and my clothes hang up like on a rod so I push them over in front of like the sliding door and that kind of insulates more from the door side. Then I roll down like a uh, like a moving blanket between like the front and back of the cab. There you go. Wow. So yeah, it's set up. So you've been in this van for a year now? Almost a year, yeah. Like, where uh, were you living before you had the van? Um in uh, in Gainesville, like my family's from like Williston and Levy, well originally Bronson, but Levy County area, which mm-hmm. is right outside of Gainesville. So Gainesville was like the big city for us. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm a real like from the hit, from the woods like hick, mm-hmm. you know. I just I'm, I mask it well, like I don't have an accent because my entire life I've been oh I can talk like this and blend in here, and yeah. I can talk like this and blend in over here. So yeah, well, there's not many parts of Florida Master that are of like guys that, that are like woodsy. Area. Yeah, there's Except just that. For like Tallahassee and Gainesville area. <clears throat> yep, just that little strip in the middle. Yeah, that little strip's a weird strip, huh? Oh, Every yeah. time I go to Tallahassee, I feel like I'm in a different world. Tallahassee. The middle of the state's like that. Tallahassee. All the way up and down. Yep, there's like that weird, that triangular section yeah. from like Jacksonville, Gainesville, yep. Tallahassee. Yes. Mm-hmm. That little section is like not safe for minorities. <laughs> I mean. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, that's that's a fucking unless wild they're place. good at sports, and <laughs> yeah. it's like and if they're good at sports. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I was riding through over by like Lakeland, and it's very like in the middle of the state, like farmland area and stuff. And there's like one old beat down billboard, and it says "Home of Ray Lewis," where he went to high school and played football is right there. But it's like the most raggedy Ray Lewis sign you would think. Really, yeah, I didn't like know nice Ray Lewis sign. was from here. You know, I didn't. I've heard that before. I didn't know it was like over there in Lakeland, but he went to Lakeland High, I think. Or whatever that school is, but it, there's a rundown billboard with a picture of him on it. That's fucking hilarious. Dude, Florida's a football state. Yeah. Do you watch football? Yeah, I grew up. So I'm a, here's the thing. I'm basically, I'm like a NASA supercomputer that was programmed by rednecks. <laughs> so, yeah, so like my like my big hobby is fantasy football. Because it's oh, like. Yeah, we play yeah, a lot of fantasy. There's nothing more autistic than fantasy football. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Like any, actually any fantasy sports. Like, you just zone in my on buddy, the stats and My shit. buddy Brian, like, like one of my oldest friends, like we have a regular league with a bunch of our buddies and stuff like that. That's our football league. But a couple of them are all in a fantasy hockey league together. And so oh, a couple years ago, he's like, hey, man, do you want to play fantasy hockey with us? And I was like, I don't know shit about hockey. Yeah. But I did it. Like, I, jo- I joined, like, I paid 50 bucks to basically lose at fantasy hockey. Mm-hmm. And I came in, I made it to the championship game. Shit. Yeah, just based on numbers. Yeah. Just from, like, watching the numbers. And I was right. like, oh, this is, like, my Rain Man skill. Yeah, yeah. You know? <laughs> wow. Yeah, because yeah, that's what it's like. You and, don't really but here's have the thing, I'm bad at math. But, like, fantasy stats, like, just stats for yeah. some reason I'm good with. Hmm. So are you winning in fantasy or what? Um, 
Yeah, I win pretty good. I pretty, yeah. Like I'm out of hockey now. I played like I played two two seasons, and the, but the first year I just I didn't have anything else really going on at the time, so I was just all in on fantasy hockey like every day, That's going sick. through like waivers and like yeah, reading. Stats you can like and, use his websites, the cheat websites, right, to like find out all this info, like who you, you yeah, should pick you up. I mean, you can. Yeah, of course, I do. Why wouldn't <laughs> you? Can if you don't know anything about hockey, right? But like, right. it's harder if you don't know, like, because you don't know what sites to check. Like, it's a yeah. whole new sport for me. So it's like, who do I trust? in this sport yeah, you know yeah. what i mean like with fantasy football like you know i'm a big matthew barry guy you know and then uh uh like uh was he, uh, is he football like a, guys is he like a commentator or something? yeah, yeah okay. matthew barry is like a espn commentator yeah, okay. yeah and uh fantasy football now like the show they do every sunday like mm-hmm. the pregame show that's yeah. all fantasy that's matthew barry okay so like i trust him you know and there's a couple other people who's like, I'll, I'll like combine their opinions and be like, okay, so this is what the they all think about this guy. And, you know, mm-hmm. but I don't know who to do that with in hockey. So I was literally right. just going off stats and like the little updates in the actual app itself. Like, oh, this player is, you know, on this streak. And I'm like, okay, well, he's on a streak. Leave him there. Yeah. Uh, you know, that kind of shit. And, uh, yeah, I made it to the championship game. It was yeah, nuts. you killed it. Yeah. The, the problem with fantasy shit is it's such a waste of fucking time. That's exactly. It's such a big time suck. Yeah. Uh, but time. like I said, at the time, I didn't have anything else going on. Like I was st- like, especially like years and years ago, like undiagnosed, you know, thinking it was other mental health problems. It was like, you know, I don't really I'd, I'd started like like kind of distancing myself more and more from society and kind of become like a hermit, you know. Mm-hmm. So what else? I, it's not like I was doing anything, yeah. right. you know, right. so. And then now, like, I'm slacking off on fantasy because I'm fucking always at comedy shows and stuff, you know? <laughs> are you going yeah. to play fantasy football this, this year? Oh, yeah. I'm still in, like, that league with my buddies every oh, year. Okay. Yeah, I've just, How much I'm money just, did you guys bet? Um, I think this year we're doing, like, 25. 25 like, bucks Yeah, each? it's not anything. Uh, yeah, our football one's not big, but it's like a, it's like a, a keeper league. Oh, where you keep yeah, the yeah, yeah. players from the previous year? Well, except, like, we keep, like, four. You can, or, no, I'm sorry, we keep three. Hmm. Hmm. That's two. We dropped we it down played. to two. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. So we can, every year you can keep two guys, but you can only keep them up until like so. Every year they cost you one round higher. So like if you keep a guy from his rookie season and he's like undrafted, the the following year you keep him and he's like a fifteenth round pick. Oh, right? that's pretty cool. But then the year after that he's a fourteenth, and the year after that he's a thirteenth, oh. and so on and so mm. forth. So you can only keep guys up until they reach fourth round. Okay. okay, and then after that they're freebies or just free. They they go back into the draft pool. Right. Okay. Yeah. So like so I've had Patrick Mahomes since his rookie season. Oh shit. Yeah. His um, rookie season was like the best super season fucking fantasy. points. That was, was his throwing. that was his sophomore season. It was his first year as a starter cuz his rookie season he sat behind Alex Smith until like the last oh, game and a half of the season. Okay, well the yeah. first season he played. Yeah, the first season he started and yeah. they fucking won the Super Bowl. Killed. Yeah. <laughs> he was dropping like 40 50 point games. How about the other quarter? Oh, wait, 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 who was the guy? Alex Smith? Yeah, yeah. How about when he broke his, his, his shin? Oh, yeah. He snapped yeah. his shin in half. And he he actually came back. He came back. Like he came back and oh, played yeah. a couple games. Yeah, but didn't he? Year. He played a couple games and then he hurt it again, didn't he? He had to like he had to no, leave. No, he's just he's just older, less mobile still. You know things like that. So he yeah. just lost the. job. That's like the scariest fucking injury. Yeah, this is the Joe Theismann injury. Like that was the inj- the same in- exact injury that ended Joe Theismann's career with the Lawrence Taylor when he mm. snapped his leg when he played for the Redskins. <sighs> 
I don't even know that story. Oh yeah, Joe Thies like Lawrence Taylor hit Joe Theismann in the leg and shattered his leg the Ooh. same way Alex Smith's. Really? Yeah. So gross. Yeah. Did he have the the complications that Alex Smith had? Yeah, it ended his career. He never played another down of football after that. Because Alex almost lost his leg, right? Yeah. yeah. Especially yeah, because he had like infections and stuff too. Yeah. But so not only did he get over like the infections and the injury, but like just modern medicine and science oh, and physical therapy God. got him to so the point crazy. that he could still play professional football. Yeah, they said after he'd that. never even walk or anything. Like yeah, that shit. that's crazy. And then that the UFC same- fighter just did that like last weekend, where mm-hmm. he kicked the guy and his shin snapped in half. They tried to stand back down and just like well, like think about like uh, think about like Ryan Shazier. Oh you yeah, remember, like oh, after, yeah. that, that spinal scary. cord injury. Yeah. They thought and, yeah. he'd never walk. Again. Yeah, never. And now he's, he's he fucking paralyzed. walking out for fucking yeah. to the fifty yard line and shit. And yeah, it's super cool. I love I love stories like that. Yeah, dude, that's terrifying. That is like worst case scenario when you're playing football and you break your neck and you're oh, paralyzed. Yeah. I watched that game live. I remember that was so yeah. Crazy, I was sure. Sh- I was absolutely sure that was how Brett Favre's career was going to end. I was like the only because remember he kept like I'm gonna retire no I'm coming back I'm gonna retire no I'm coming back and then like Green Bay's like look we've had enough Aaron Rodgers is the guy mm-hmm. and so then he went and played for like Minnesota and then he, when he went to the Jets I was like he's gonna play until he dies and this yeah. is where it's gonna happen <laughs> yeah the Jets like, it'll happen there the, yeah the, like he literally just walked into a dumpster fire and was like this is how I'm going out <laughs> yeah. like so I was sure he was gonna die on the field you see they're bringing Tim Tebow back. No, as a tight Jag- end, the Jaguars just. Yeah, I picked mean, him you up. know, there's they be really like a, did. Yeah, yeah. no fucking today. way. Yeah, they picked him up yeah. for one year. I mean, it makes sense. I mean, it's Urban Meyer reunited with Tim mm-hmm. Tebow in his hometown of Jacksonville. At the very least, yeah. they're gonna sell tickets. Oh, big time! You know, God, they're gonna sell dude. at least double his salary in tickets, so it's <laughs> and paid for. Oh, they got that long-haired dude, right, Trevor? Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah that's pretty cool. That's gonna be fun to watch. Okay, so here's the thing. So, like, I'm autistic, right? And, like, I love, like, seeing autistic people succeed at things. Like, Dan Aykroyd is autistic. Like, yeah. fantastic. Anthony Hopkins just won an Oscar and, and and came out as, like, he's on the spectrum. Is he autistic? Yeah. Anthony Hopkins. Oh, Sir Anthony no Hopkins. Clue. Nobody that's... did. That's the thing. Like, that's what I'm talking earlier about, like, masking and being able to, like, pick up those skills, like, where I can step into, like, a group and, and blend into that group. Like, most autistic people, like when people are like, oh, I didn't know you were autistic. It's like, yeah, because I've developed next level coping mechanisms <laughs> yeah. that are fucking Oscar worthy. All right. So, but that's the thing. Like he's literally a chameleon because he's been that way his whole life. And he had to learn those skills at a young age. And he just figured out a way to turn. He's like, I already have these skills. Use them as a career. Right. You know, right. like he found ways to fit that in until he realized what he was. Wow. Yeah. How fucking awesome. Like, he made it to, like, fucking 89 years old before he found out. Really? Yeah. Damn, that's crazy. Yeah, he was di- He was just diagnosed, like, this year. Damn. Wow, that's insane. Yeah. Like, why would you... I don't even understand, like, the process. Like, like I just want to go in and get diagnosed if I have it. Like, when you're that old, like, wow... I don't know if I'd bother. Well, I mean, you like probably well, just knew the whole time, kind of, right? Or, well, and I think as you get older, like you do more and more like self reflection and more sure. stuff like that. Yeah, you know what I mean. Yeah, and especially like he, he, his career had slowed down. You know, he was kind of stepped away from the spotlight and was just doing like limited projects. So a lot more time to himself to think and like spend time with his own thoughts. Because think about how long his career was playing other people. Do you think aut- autism could just? I mean. I don't want to sound like a dickhead saying No, this, not at all. Do you think autism could just be like a personality trait and there's just severity differences? <laughs> I don't think so. I think it's... Because I feel like so many people could have 
you know, a dash here, a dash there, a little bit more. You know well, that I mean? that's that's I guess the way I would more describe it as. I think autism is just is like, like um, you have introvert, I think, extrovert. Yeah, I think autism is specific human traits amplified. Right. So like it it we're because like a typical neurological person is basically we were talking about that color wheel earlier mm. like a typical neurological person is basically dead center of the color wheel. Mm. You know? Mm-hmm. So we are basically all those darts thrown around it and those are just like those parts of like a typical human experience like you may be a completely neurological person but you may might have like one special talent here. Mm-hmm. Right? And that's how they well, you know when they're like oh everyone's a little autistic. You might have one dart that you got to throw. I've got 18. You know what I mean? Like, so there it's, it's though all of those human traits, like whatever traits certain autistic people present with, it's just, it's that it's a human trait, but it's just magnified mm-hmm. so many times. And it, because it, and it just makes it more intense. So, you do know, you ever, do you ever sniff out people who maybe have autism or like a, all the time now. It's yeah. like, it's like when you buy like a yellow car and then now you see all the yellow cars. Yes. Yeah. It's a really? very similar thing. Yeah. Like people um, who don't even know it, maybe. Yeah, well, so do you guys remember it was like a Disney Plus documentary about the dude that climbed, like, El Capitan? Mm. That mm. rock climbing documentary? Like, free climb? Are you climb sure it was Disney? Yeah, free climb. Yeah. That was, in the, that like, was the documentary. Yeah, yeah, free yeah, climb. yeah. With the guy with free the big solo. giant hands? Free, free solo. solo. That yes. was an okay. insane documentary. I, so I, when that documentary came out, I was watching it with a couple of friends, and literally three minutes into the documentary, I was like, this dude's autistic. <laughs> and then it got to the point when it was talking about his dad, and his dad had passed away, but when he's talking about his dad, he's like, my dad had what would have now been known as, like, Asperger's syndrome. And I was like, fucking knew it. He's autistic. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. And and it was there was, like, a line in the in the documentary when he's, like, talking to his fiance, right? Because she's all nervous about him climbing with no safeties and yeah. stuff like that. And, like, you know, he's, like, and she's, like, whenever you leave and whenever you, like, untether and you're climbing, like, do you ever in that moment, do you ever think about, like, me or, like, what I would do if you didn't make it? And he's, like, no, never. He's, like, I can't. Yeah, he's just you know, and that, yeah, and that was the thing. I was like, I know exactly what that feeling is. Yeah, like I know that exact sentiment because it's like you know that's like you have that option. You know, you should consider that other person, but you're so singularly focused on on achieving something that you're like, can't do it. God, yeah, man, that was yeah. fucking insane. That what that guy does. Yeah, and that's but that and that's what I I mean when I talk about like this that magnification of the yeah. human experience because like. Like, especially for me, like, I talk with my therapist about this a lot. Like, when I once I got diagnosed and I started, like, seeing a therapist regularly, like, I'd come in and I'd be like, okay, I want to work on this, this, and this. And my therapist was like, that's incredible that you're that self-aware that you know, like, these are the things that you struggle with. And so, like, but but that's one of my magnifications is I'm... I'm constantly, and it's not, it's not self-aware, like, in, like, a confidence standpoint. It's like I'm always... Just like thinking inwardly is like, you know, what, like what's wrong with, like, what can I do better here? Like, why can't I do this? Like, I'm constantly like trying to rearrange those bricks internally to like, how, how can I, how can I like operate better? Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. So, and it was more of that. It's like, oh, you've already identified your weaknesses. It's like, yeah, cause I know what I'm not good at. Mm-hmm. I like, I think about it a lot. You right. know? So how long have you been going to a therapist? Uh, since I got diagnosed. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, uh, I'm so I was in the army. I joined the army after high school. I was in the army for a couple of years, um, and so I get like I got I got I was getting uh, care through like the VA, and so once I got like my diagnosis from or my um, 
recommendation from CARD because because they're like a research clinic. Like they can't do an official diagnosis. Mm-hmm. So they recommend you to a specialist to do your, your official diagnosis. So they referred me to somebody. I took that up to the VA, the VA mental health care clinic, like set it up, like set me up with like the, the specialist and everything because they don't have an autism specialist, uh-huh. you know. So they set me up with it and everything was taken care of. Like I got very, I was very lucky in that aspect. But like that's what it finally took for me to get diagnosed. Like was I had to find a place that could do it for adults like first I had to have like the like the interest and like the idea to even think I was autistic because Mm -hmm. right you know like yeah it wasn't something I'd ever looked into like I'd been diagnosed previously with like ADD severe anxiety disorder and uh, major depressive disorder so I was just I was like it's just those things messing with my head you Mm -hmm. know because those like mental health issues can stack up on you you know, and condense and create more pressure. So I just thought it was all that, you know, just jumbled together. And then a nurse at the VA down in Cape Coral, I was in for, uh, for like an appointment for something else. And she just casually like talking to me, like doing my blood pressure and stuff was like, have you ever, have you ever, uh, like, like, uh, looked into getting like, like finding out if you have like, if you're on like the autism spectrum. And I was like, no, I, I thought she was just trying to call me retarded. Yeah, yeah. You know, like, like, but she, she was like, no, she's like, my nephew is has autism spectrum disorder, and he has a lot of the same, like, um, like you, you just remind me of him a lot. Like you have, like, because I was, I was like rocking on the table and stuff, but while I was sitting waiting for her to come in and stuff, and she's like, you just, like, you just have some similar like physical traits, and then like some of your mannerisms and stuff. You just remind me a lot of my nephew, and like that just set off like the buzzer. You know what I mean? It's like, how old are you then? 29. Okay. Yeah. Wow. You're at the ar- in the army at that no, time? No, 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 no. I was out? out. I was out. I was living in Fort Myers. I was um I was finishing my degree in graphic design and working as a graphic designer. And but just like hearing that like I went off on a tangent and started like researching autism and the more I read, the more I was like who are these people watching me, you know? Yeah. Did you uh, ever think about it before then at all? Never. Nope. No, because like, uh, because like the way autism had always been per- portrayed in movies, like I could be more personable than Forrest right. Gump, right, you know. Right. Like I didn't, severe. I I didn't seem slow when people were talking to me. Yeah, you know, like I wasn't, I couldn't like count cards or memorize phone books like fucking Rain Man. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know, so it's like, so I'm not autistic, right? Because that's how they portrayed autistic people. So that was the only idea mm-hmm. I had of what autism was, mm-hmm. you know, may. And then the, like the extreme side of that being like Leonardo DiCaprio and like what's eating Gilbert Grant, yeah, just all drooly. Sick. And yeah, <laughs> you know, um, so I was like, those are the only examples, you know, so you don't think of it outside of those right. terms. Like, you know, what person watches Rain Man and then goes and like, r- like what <laughs> is autism yeah. and then learns everything about it, yeah, you know? Yeah. Um, so yeah, it was just never something that that was that I'd ever even considered, and then that, but that set off the light bulb. And what's weird is I went to high school with two autistic brothers, uh, like on two different ends of the spectrum. Like one was uh, was like a more severe, um, borderline nonverbal, like very limited like words and phrases and things like that. And then the other was he was like overly, um, overly not vocal. That's not the right word, but like overly precise in like his um like his enunciation and like proper sentence structure and it, like every word he said sound like every sentence sounded like it was from a textbook mm-hmm. you know what i mean yeah like it was like this is a talking dictionary yeah and so again just never considered 
that I was either one of those things right, because my because them because right exactly on. my darts didn't land in the same area as theirs mm, did. Right. Mine were more in that like internalized thought patterns, mm-hmm. executive function. Like I was always like sleeping in and late to you know late for stuff and you know that kind of thing. And fucking, he was always early. Like yeah, you know. 20 minutes before anything, like, he's already there stretching, warm, whatever the yeah, activity yeah. is, like, he is fully prepared 20 minutes beforehand, <laughs> yeah. you know? And so, again, like, you just don't think of those things until someone finds a way, like, finds a way to frame your point of reference, mm-hmm. you know? And she's like, I have a I have a nephew, and he does this, this, and this, and I, you did this, this, just, and this, and it reminded me of him, and I was like, line up the dots. wait, I do do that, that, and that, and I don't see other people doing those things, like. Yeah. You know. So then you make an appointment and you and you go or Well, then I start like I start researching autism like, okay. you know, um finding websites, finding like any online tests I can do, things like that. And then um from there I start looking into like, okay, so based on all the stuff I've I've gathered now, like I think I might be autistic. So now how do I find out for sure, you know? And so then I found, like, I started researching, like, clinics that could diagnose adults because everything, most stuff online even is about, like, kids. Yeah. Um, So I was like, what what about adults? Like, how do, and I eventually found, like, you know, the card for, at the University of Florida and my family happened to be from that area, you know, and I was living in Fort Myers at the time. So I got in touch with the the center. Um, They sent me, like, a packet of stuff filled that out, sent it to them. And then they set me up a, because it's, it's through the university of Florida. Like it's a, it's a research clinic. So it was a free, like a free appointment. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so got it all scheduled. And then I, I called and told my parents everything that I'd been like, you know, I, like, I think this might be what's happening, like what I've been dealing with and all this kind of stuff. And they're like, well, get up here. So hmm. the rest is history. The rest is history. <laughs> Now, since you got diagnosed, what did th- what did they do? Like, obviously, you're now talking to a therapist. Is mm-hmm. there is there anything else that you're doing to um, cope with it? Or I mean, kind of. So j- the therapy is, has been so helpful because, like, basically, I was able to take all of that, like, that internalized thought process and that, like, you know, that hyper, like, unhealthy self awareness, and like, basically, figure out ways to like, uh, like, handle it. You know, like a pick a topic or pick like a, a thing I was struggling with and work and talk to my therapist about like, how can I do this better? Like, what can mm. I, you know, finding like, uh, uh, spe- like special alarms and stuff. Like I, like I said, I struggle with executive function and being able to force myself to get up for stuff and, you know, things like that. Like I, if it's something, if it's something I'm like excited about and something I really want to do, like that's never a problem, you know, but it's like the, I don't want to do this, mm-hmm. you know, you know, whatever it is. I don't want to do laundry today before yeah. I leave. Like I'll do it later, you know? Um, like, I have, like, a special alarm on my phone, so, like, when my alarm goes off, like, I have to, like, solve math problems, you know, which I'm not that kind of autistic, so <laughs> math's not, math problems are hard for me. Uh, so, you know, I have to do math problems to get the alarm to turn off, and then, like, 90 seconds later, like, I have to, like, it checks in with me, and I have to, like, hold down, like, a button on the screen to prove that I'm still awake, and I didn't go back to sleep after after turning the alarm off. Is this hmm. some sort of app or something? Yeah, it's an app. It's called Alarmy. So I have that app, and then I also have one of the. It's a, like a Pavlock, like a wrist device, that I set an. I set like a backup alarm on it, and that alarm, like it's got a thing in here that actually zaps me. 
So it zaps me. So I have to get up, get out of the van, and do jumping jacks to get it to stop zapping. And what are the purpose of these things? These apps to help me wake up, like to help me, like to help me with my executive function. Like the Pavlov device is just. It sounds like like some sort of a discipline exercise. Kind of, yeah. Well, that's what Pavlov, Pavlock, like that's where it comes from. So it's like that. Yeah. Okay. So you can literally like it's literally like a hab a a positive habit training device. Mm. So like whether it's like quitting smoking or like exercising and things like that, like whatever it is you're trying to accomplish, you can like set your goals and different things. Super interesting. It's a super cool like yeah. When I like again, my therapist like was telling me about like like finding like different apps and alarms and things like that, and I happened to find that device, and I was like, hey, what about this? And she's like, you know, like. She's like, I'm not going to recommend something that zaps you, but if you think it's going to work for you, like, you know, like, you know, I'm not basically like, (laughs) I'm not suggesting electroshock therapy (laughs) or anything here, you know, but I came up, that was like a solution I found and I just presented as like, hey, would this work for me? Because I'm interested in trying it, you know? Mm -hmm. So it's basically therapy helped me find healthier workarounds and healthier coping mechanisms and things because basically up until then I'd basically engineered my own devices but they were rudimentary devices so you know if you're trying to move water with like an aquifer system versus trying to move water with like you know bamboo shoots (laughs) you know like one's gonna work better than the other we had this really smart one of our like the smartest people i know this guy nate nathan crock he's a uh he's a scientist he actually he works up in tallahassee and he uh crazy smart guy and he was telling me he would, like, train, try to, like, do certain things himself to try to in- enhance his discipline. He would do things like sleep on the floor for a month. Like, every night he would sleep on the floor. Or for a month he would try to brush his teeth with his left hand. Like, weird mm-hmm. things like that just so he would be more disciplined and get things done quicker and more efficient. I mean, he treats his brain like like a supercomputer. Like he tre- Like, he tries to just... He's always trying to enhance his brain and his mind, and well, and that's kind of where I'm go. I'm getting to now. Like I said, after that that uh, acid trip, uh, mm-hmm. you know, experiment. Um, but that's basically what I tried it for because there's been so much research. There's there's literally tons of research about um, like the positive effect of psychedelics in like dealing with autism spectrum disorder. Really? Yeah. And so the best way I can explain it. Was it just, it gave me like an extra set of tools to be able to sort, organize, and focus the things in my brain and um, basically like reset some things in the control panel and like reset some parameters for myself, you know, like Mm. increasing my accountability on like, hey, we have to be, we have to be producing, like we have to be writing more, we have to be, you know, all of these kinds of things. And, you know, you like, again, the, the, the inmates can't be running the asylum. Like I need the warden to crack down on this, you know? Right. And so I'm getting, I'm getting better at that. And I also was like, you know, what other things do I need to do to be more productive? I need to start eating healthier. Cause I was, you know, I'm a stand up comedian. I basically eating garbage every yeah. night, like drive throughs and, you know, sounds like you're doing things everybody should be doing, man. <laughs> yeah. Really, but it, yeah. but it just, it literally took me like, like sitting down and strapping myself into a chair and taking and psychedelics to make yeah. it happen. You know what I mean? Like I, I just couldn't wake up one day and be like, I'm going to do this. Like I literally had to like build up to it and plan out like, okay, how are we going to get us to do this? Hmm. When so. was the first time you took psychedelics? Um, after I was diagnosed, I've, I've taken acid twice. I took acid, 
Um, it's more pre- hardcore than mushrooms. Um, I mean, it's LSD. Yeah. So yeah, a little more, I, I guess, uh, psychedelic than than mushrooms. Like the first time I took it, it was just the experiment of like, can I, can I, will I be okay with this? You know, and it was much more of like the external experience, like seeing the colors and like uh-huh. the patterns and different, like you know, more of the visuals of psychedelics. And then the second time I took it, which was the time we were talking about, you know, conversation with the warden. Um, and so that time I took it, it was much more of like the internal and like the, you know, the meditation, the you know, like the spiritual, you know, thing like that. And so for me, it was more or more of like the mental aspects of like I want to dive in and actually see if like you know if I can access these things that people talk about right. with autism and psychedelics yeah. that was cool yeah, yeah I had yeah. a uh, filmmaker dude on here a couple months ago who uh, he actually made uh, like a really popular YouTube documentary called Florida Man and he said his dad was going through really severe depression for a while and he eventually convinced his dad to try acid and he said his dad is like hundred percent cured. He, he's like not depressed anymore. Like they have a better relationship now. They hang out way more. And, uh, it said it took him like a long time to be able to build his dad up to trying acid to try to fi- figure out his depression. Yeah. It's insane. It took me a, a while to build up to it. Um, I mean, but it was, it's some, it took <clears throat> me, I had gotten my medical marijuana card. So I was already like six months into like medical marijuana before I started being like, okay, this hasn't done me any harm. So, like, what other things could I look into that might help with this? And there's, like I said, there's just been tons of research about psychedelics and autism. So, you know. Give it a try. Yeah, thanks a lot, government. Um, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Daddy needs his medicine. Well, there's, a couple, there's a couple states that made shrooms <laughs> yeah. legal, right? Legal, I'm yeah. a, I'm, so I'm supposed to go to um, Portland in, we were supposed to go last week, but it got rescheduled because of coronavirus stuff and, like, theater limits and all that kind of stuff. Oh, wow. but, um, in December I'm going, I'm doing the helium comedy club in Portland with J muse. So I feature, I feature for J muse from Jay and silent Bob. Hell yeah. So we're going up there and I'm definitely trying psychedelics because it's yeah. all legal there now. Oh, hell yeah, dude. Yeah. Is Jay going to do them with you? Jay is 10 years sober. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. that's is right. They got to smoke pot. That's right. Nope. Really? Nope. His one vice that he still has is caffeine. Wow. Goes hard in the why, caffeine. Why yeah, he'll he'll wants... drink like four Red Bulls and like so his Starbucks order is five shots of espresso with Fuck. milk on the side, and then he basically like a little bit of milk into the espresso gets it to like a good temperature, and then he'll like drink half, a little bit more milk, drink the other half. That's the only. And shit he I'll will drink do that three times a day. Damn. So we're talking about like fifteen shots of espresso, four Red Bulls, but that dude is constantly going. Yeah. Like he Twitch streams like ten like we'll be all like uh we were in at bananas in New Jersey. Like you ever tried cocaine? It's probably way more efficient. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think that was the problem, it was too efficient. Uh, yeah. <laughs> no, we 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 did the uh the bananas comedy club in Hasbrook Heights uh a couple months ago. And while we were there, he was Twitch streaming like ten hours a day. All right, like split into like two five-hour sessions. Then we'd be at the club for, we had two shows a night, so we were at the club for like another four hours, like for both shows and stuff. So now we're at 14 hours now for his like work day, right? Then he still like goes back and he'll either like do an additional Twitch stream or he'll do like some promo content or stu- and stuff like, you know, for his Twitch stream. Um, or he'll, he we were doing stuff um, like the next day we had to do stuff um, at the... 
uh, secret stash, like his and Kevin Smith's comic book store. They were doing meet yeah. and greets Saturday. So Saturday, he did like f- like six hours of meet and greets, ten hours of Twitch streaming, and four hours of the club. Like I don't know when so he's he just slept. going nonstop. Yeah. Wow! But that's what fifteen shots of espresso what, will do. What made yeah. him want to quit everything? Um, I think like becoming a dad and like uh, it just he it got to the point where I think it was like stressing his relationships with Kevin and you know and mm. I think and well I mean this is a pretty like was he, uh, was he pretty, abusing alcohol too or just weed or um alcohol and all kinds and of other drugs, kinds of drugs. Oh, okay um, he was doing everything yeah. Um, and oh, it man. was a, it was at the point like uh like it's pretty well documented like him and Kevin Smith had a whole thing where he's like if you can get sober we'll do yeah. Clerks too so he's been clo- sober since Clerks too oh cool yeah so I never saw that <laughs> really no <laughs> yeah where we uh, actually I saw the first one that that's the, the movie that taught yeah, that's the movie that taught American culture you never go ask him out <laughs> yeah what's the one where they're in like the one scene that I'll never forget is what, like they're in the somewhere and there's fucking lasers everywhere and they're like they're like climbing Jay over the laser Bob beam strike back. Yeah, that's the movie. Oh, yeah, okay, that's the movie. Yeah, that's All the right. movie. Hmm, that's yeah, cool, when man. they break into like the animal facility and free the monkey. Yes, they yeah, yeah, yeah. The monkey. Yeah, <clears throat> yep. And he's the clit commander. How did yeah. yeah. <laughs> clit commander. How did That's you how that, I dude? intro him. Yeah. So okay, so how I met Jay was so like I said, I converted the van right. And I put together like my own road show, and I did. I had I did a show in Austin, Texas, Colorado Springs. Um, I did some open mics in like uh, in like Nashville and Atlanta and stuff. And then my buddy, a comedy buddy of mine, um, he had moved to Kansas City, and he like saw like I had an open show, and I didn't have to go back through Texas because that would have been the long way to go, like because I was going to Nashville next. Mm-hmm. Um, so Kansas City was on the way, and I saw he had a showcase show. And I was like, hey, I'm going to be able to make it to Kansas City in time to see your show. Like, you know, let's catch up and hang out. And he's like, oh, hell yeah, awesome. Like, you know, I'll let everybody know you're coming. And then he messaged me back. He's like, hey, do you want to do a guest spot? <laughs> and I was like, uh, sure, yeah. And then so I looked at the club where that show was at, and they had an open mic the night before, like an out, an outdoor like patio mic because of covid. Mm. So I went like I I was like I'm basically instead of sleeping in the van here in Colorado, I'll just go ahead and drive, you know, today, make it there, do the open mic, sleep in the parking lot there, then do the show the next day. Yeah. So I did the open mic and the club owner was there. And so I met the club owner and we got to talking and then did the showcase the next night. And then um after I made it home, uh, the club ran a contest to open for Jay Muse. Hmm. And so I messaged them like I submitted for the contest. I was like, hey, don't know if you remember me. I'm the guy from Florida, Tarab's friend. You know, I was like, you know, and submitted my video clip or whatever. And he's like, you didn't need to submit a video. I remember you. He's like, are you sure you want to come from Florida? Like all the way from <laughs> Florida to do a, like a seven minute spot on a contest that you might not win. <laughs> and I was like, yeah, sure. And he's like, bring your ass on. Um and so we, I went to do the contest, and I, I figured I was going to lose just because, like, I'm not from there. Like, other people, like, it, I didn't know how they were doing, like, any voting or anything like that. And I was like, if it's, like, a co- like an audience vote, like, everybody else is bringing people, yeah. you know. But I just wanted to go because he had already seen me before, and I was like, even if I don't win, if he sees me again, maybe he'll just book me for something else. Right. Mm. Right? 
So in my head, I was like, that's how I made it worth it. I was yeah, like, even if I did yeah, Exactly. But I went, and then I won. <laughs> oh, shit. Yeah, because they had two comedians judging the contest. So they did those two judge votes plus audience vote. Mm. And I won. Nice. Yeah. Um, and so then I came back to open for Jay, because he was there doing a weekend. And so he was like, hey, pick a night. You can be here, and that's the night you'll open for Jay. And so I was doing a, the Thursday night show because I was booked to be in Orlando Saturday night. So I was like, if I do the Thursday night, I can hit the road. I can make it to the Tennessee like state line, sleeping. There's a rest area there that I from all my trips back and forth to Kansas City at this point. I was like, this is where my where, like where I sleep right before my last stop before Florida, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and it's what the Tennessee Georgia state line. There's this amazing uh, like rest area on both sides, like this um, big like uh, like. Uh, I want to say aquifer, but that's not the right word. But, like, it's big, like, water, like, retention area or whatever. Mm-hmm. And there's, like, ma- like an island with mountains and shit. Nice. So it looks like you're, like Jurassic Park. Yeah. It's like a landfill, maybe. <laughs> maybe. <laughs> no, but it's beautiful, though. It's like it's like a nature preserve and, like, water a water reserve. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Um. So, But it's beautiful. And so I was like, okay, I can do this show in Kansas City with Jay, make it back to here, drive through the night to here, sleep there, wake up, make the rest of the drive the next day, and then make it to Orlando, you know, by Saturday and all that kind of stuff. But the show went so well opening for him that I literally, I have audio of this, like, on my TikTok because I record my shows with, like, my Apple Watch. So I have, like, my perfect audio right here, like, next mm-hmm. to my mic. And my oh. Apple Watch was still recording. I went off the stage, through the door, into the green room, and one of my comedy buddies was who was featuring, he was going up next. And so, you know, we, you know, do our thing, like, hey, good, you know, break a leg, all that. Yeah. And then Jay's man, like, ma- road manager is right there, and he's like, hey, um, uh, Jay wants to, like, get your information. Like, are you okay? Like, are you okay to fly? And, like, come on. Like, he wants to bring, bring you on the road to feature for him. And then, and so I'm talking to him about all this, and then Jay sticks his head out of the green room, and he's like, hey, bro, can you get on planes and shit? <laughs> Sick. Yeah, and then we have, like, Typical a conversation. Jay. Yeah, just, you, the, as soon as I heard the voice, I was like, he's behind me, you know? <laughs> yeah. And uh, That's cool. Yeah, it was fucking awesome. And so, yeah. That's amazing. That's man. my guy. So you record so cool, all man. your shows on your watch? Yeah, so I record my audio... Um, with just like the voice memos, like for on an Apple Watch, yeah. I record my audio here, so because I keep my mic in my left hand, so I get a perfect audio recording of my show, mm. and then I'll sync that with my video, so it's almost like my camera is like the audience wow. audio, and then I have my That's audio slick. to put over it. Wow! Yeah, you got That's, good audio. That's two hundred IQ. Yeah. No, well, no, that's um, that's intense focuses and being all about comedy. I listen to like every comedy podcast and i that's a brian redband tip oh Oh, is it really yeah brian redband uh was i think it was on rogan but he was telling rogan that's what he does and i was like "Mm, check i have an apple watch i can do that yeah Yeah. um and so yeah incredible i never even you know i never even thought about that with one of those eye watches you could just go in and record anything without people knowing about it Mm -hmm. you could do some fucking deceptive ass shit with one of those watches Mm -hmm. yeah because i keep it for like um (laughs) I keep it on like do not disturb in airplane mode for my recording. Right. And so once I set it to start recording and put my wrist down, like the screen will not come back on again until I physically like touch the button and unlock it. 
so it stays dark. So yeah, if you were right. in a room with other people, like again, depending on like the state laws of like recording and conversations. And oh, stuff. I have to call but, my yeah. lawyer. But yeah, you could definitely do some like spy shit. Jeez, yeah. I never even thought about that, dude. Look, that's this wild. guy's got two, one on each wrist. You. <laughs> Who, Aiden? You. No, that's just a fitness tracker, and that's a Casio. Yeah, sure it is. <laughs> it's just a Casio, bro. It doesn't record, I swear. <laughs> yeah. So, huh, Red Band, Brian Red Band, talking yeah. about that. You listen to a lot of podcasts? Um, I feel like that's a thing with comedians. They're yeah. all they're all about everything. You know, they listen. Oh, I like the podcasts that where you can learn things about comedy. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, uh, but like, comedians and podcasts they always go hand in hand. Oh yeah, well because like most comedians were the podcasting pioneers, so like that's kind of our art form. You know what I mean? Mm. Like if you were taking an acting class, you were watching the Oscars. Mm. You know? Yeah, conversations are hard to have. Yeah. But well, not just that, but like it's hard to keep a conversation going for a long time and have it be like quick and have it be concise and staying, you know what I mean? Like ping ponging off each other. Yeah. Well, not just that, the like you add to that like comfort level. Like if it's like a strange person, it's like, okay, like I don't know how, like what I can talk to you about that's going to keep this conversation yeah. going mm. versus like if you're a comic, you know, a bunch of other comics and like we talk to each other all the time, bro. Yeah. We're just going to record it. Like, yeah. right. you know, um, if two people are in, in a room together and they have a conversation and it's not recorded on a podcast. Does the did, conversation <laughs> did it happen? happen? <laughs> well, I mean, it's the same thing with comedy, right? Like that's why they say like as a comedian, you have to write everything down or like find a way to record it. Because if you mm. think of the perfect joke, but nobody hears it mm-hmm. and you never wrote it down or recorded it. Did you really think of that joke or Fuck. not? Right. No, exactly. I don't think so exactly because good luck remembering that joke. Like that, like you think of something funny right before you're falling asleep. Good luck remembering it the exact same way the next day. Right. Mm-hmm. right. Good fucking luck. Yeah. That happens so, to like, me all the time. Where I'm yeah. Like, Fuck. I got to remember this in the morning. I got to remember this in the morning. Please, please, please. <laughs> and so, but now, like the way I, I literally have to think about it is if I, I have a funny thought, I'd be like, I better write that down, or I'll never get paid for it. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know. And yeah, so it's literally, it's like, paycheck. You just talk, talk it into your watch. <laughs> yeah, I do I, my voice memos. Like if I'm, if I have my watch on, I do it on my watch. I do it in the voice memos on my phone. I'll do it in like notes, Google Keep, like literally whichever one I can get to the fastest, or like depending on what the idea is, like. You know, like, if I just have, like, a random thought, and I'm like, I don't know what I want to do with this yet, so I'll just write that in my notes app or something. Mm. Or I'll go into Google Keep and start doing a voice recording. Like, if it's something like, I'm going to work this out out loud, I'll go into Google Keep and do a voice recording in that because it um, converts it to text as you're speaking it. Oh, really? Yeah. Is it accurate? Does it, does it's pretty, fuck it up? It, I mean, it fucks it up a little bit, yeah. but it's decent, you know? So I, I'll do that and then, like, just break it into, like, pieces. And then I can always go back and, like, okay, what can I do to make this piece funnier? What can I do to make this piece uh-huh. funnier? And at least recording it that way, I have a general outline of what I want that bit to be, you know? Right, right. And then I just go through and, like, oh, make this better. This sucks, you know? And so, like I said, some, for something like that, I'll do it in there. If it's something like, this idea just hit me, I'm going to rant about it right now because nothing I, I'll ever think of after this is going to be as funny as it is in my head right now, mm-hmm. I'll just straight to voice memo the whole thing. Yeah. I love doing the voice thing, but I can't do it when I'm laying, when I'm laying next to my wife in bed at like 1 a.m. Mm-hmm. I wake her ass up. I'll be fucked. But I, what I do is I send myself emails. If I have a great idea, I'll just email myself. So when I wake up in the morning, it's the first thing I see when I open my phone. That's smart. I like that. I don't know if it's smart, but it's kind of <laughs> primitive, actually. 
Thought but it works. There, there are other com- there are comics that do that. Like um, I think Todd Barry, he just writes emails. Like he free writes and he just does them as emails and sends them to himself oh, and really? then goes back through them. Yeah. Yeah. Well, for me, I title each email like with the same word at the beginning. Like I I just put like idea slash and then I type it. So that way, when I go to my email and I search the word idea, I just have all these emails I've emailed myself over the years. Nice. I like that actually. I mm. like I like that a lot. I think there's other apps that you could that are probably better at that that you can use, but emails was like the most convenient yeah. one to think of no that's really i like that yeah it's cool so when's your next show <clears throat> um wednesday night in okay. atlanta in Tampa. oh atlanta in atlanta yeah oh you so, really are on the road yeah i'm going to atlanta for uh satellite for the world series of comedy nice so yeah i'm on the wednesday show um the what doing the wild card round so if i can advance from there is this new, like, in the past month or two that comedy clubs have been, like, doing a lot of shows like this? Like, how when, um, how soon did this open back up like it is now? Because I feel like now it's happening more than... Well, now, basically, like, they kind of timed this out to, like, reopen, like, as everything else is reopening. Mm-hmm. So most clubs have been, have been either limited capacity or, like... I mean, clubs have been open for a little bit in certain places. But like I said, like we were supposed to do Portland in like March and it's been rescheduled like four times because Portland just keeps shit like go back and forth on COVID restrictions. And right, stuff. right. So, you know, um, but then like like Kansas City was open in December. It was limited capacity. So I think it was like um, like 125, you know, in a 400 seat room. Mm. So they had like you know people had to buy like instead of buying individual tickets you had to buy tables, you know and things like that. But those shows ended up being awesome, you know. Mm-hmm. And then like uh, but then like Florida like we haven't given a shit. Florida's pretty wide. Like, yeah, open. we stopped caring in July, bro. Yeah. Like yeah, so like the I I think so like most of the shows we've done here are like just fully sold out, you know. Um, and some places like they tried to adapt like uh, one club had like like raised like. It was like a hat, like a semicircle room, and like the front row was like floor level, and then the next row behind them was like elevated like twelve inches, <laughs> yeah. you know. And then the one behind them was picked up, so they just put like plexiglass like the whole length of like the rail between each row. Yeah. So they just separated people like hockey stadiums. <laughs> yeah. That's you know? insane, getting real creative. Dude. Yeah. Yeah, I remember we went to side splitters probably in like July, and it was completely loaded packed to the gills people shoulder to shoulder mm-hmm. eating and drinking fucking everything oh, getting wild yeah bro florida yeah yeah the florida does not yeah. like florida we literally wild boy central when we were in yeah. ebor when were we in ebor with mike for uh, i don't know four or five months ago yeah it was uh, it was the most November insane experience uh we were in this nightclub for my friend my buddy's uh bachelor party and it was fucking we were crammed into this little ass nightclub like sardines. Dead mid COVID. Every mid, yeah. It was. It was. I think it was before July, maybe. Uh, it was towards the end of the year, was it? Because the wedding was like what August or. September. And, and we. I remember standing in there, and it it oh. took us. So in this little nightclub, from like from where I am, maybe to like that door right there, mm-hmm. to the bathroom, and it took us probably like fifteen minutes to get that far. Oh, yeah. oh to, get, to, get, to get through all the people, and we're, I'm like, if we don't, if we haven't had COVID yet, we're definitely gonna have. Oh it yeah, it was the breeding breeding grounds. Oh, for it. dude, it was I, fucking uh, disgusting. I, we went to uh, Parks and Rec. Oh yeah. yeah, we went there like 
two weeks ago, and that place was fucking lit. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Just everybody nut to butt on the dance oh, yeah. floor. You know, like 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 people playing pool, like strangers that and like like complete strangers just full on licking each other in the <laughs> face. Like, uh, <laughs> yeah, bro. Like we don't like get shit. Yeah. yeah, like Luke the Bushwhacker. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I saw you and Jay, me and Mike, not too long ago, and um, that's where we found you, and it was packed there. I mean, it was jam-packed there. We went to yeah, I mean, Tampa not too long ago. It was packed. Yeah, that was down in... You guys saw me down in Naples. Yeah. Yeah. Fucking Naples doesn't believe in COVID. Like, no, come on. No. I mean, it was packed. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're like, what virus? Food, There's the virus? Yeah. yeah. But Florida actually did pretty good, right? With their numbers, with their, like, cases and their deaths and everything, didn't they? Uh, we sucked at the beginning... Because no, we, you know, and, right. but then like I think, yeah, there's honestly, I think we reached a certain level of herd immunity at a certain yeah, point, and that's immune. when our cases started dropping because oh, because yeah. again, strangers have been out at clubs since July right. licking each other in the face, bro. Right, you know, we're all immune. Yeah, because Florida been- is the vaccine. Yeah, <laughs> dude. As soon as outdoor open mics started back up, comics we were full on kissing each other on the mouth, bro. <laughs> You know, like sharing microphones and yeah. Was Dave Chappelle the first one to do the outdoor my, the outdoor comedy shows during COVID? It's the first um, one I saw. I he, think he was doing them in Ohio. There right? were a couple different people that kind of like pioneered some things like that. Like he was doing like the outdoor shows with like the like the big like awnings and like because it was like a wedding venue kind of thing. And then like Bert was doing he kept his like his tour going and was doing like drive-in shows, hmm. you know? And so, and then like, uh, in New York, a couple of people, they were doing like riverfront and rooftop shows and things like that, like, and drive-in shows and stuff. Oh, wow. So yeah, everyone, everywhere kind of had their own like little pioneers of like, you know, like this is what we're going to try and like figuring out different things. And yeah, man. Do and, you, do you like it when there's a big crowd versus a smaller crowd or do you, do you have any like preference of crowd size? I know. I know. Some people like to have like just stadiums, and some people just like to have small, well, like I'm, seventy people. Maybe. I haven't done a stadium. I think the biggest crowd I've done so far was like four fifty. Okay, um, that's pretty big. Four fifty is big, and it's yeah. a lot of fun. Um, I think, I think like two fifty three hundred is like the perfect number. Mm. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, because in a in in a room that size, like if you can get like three hundred people, if you can get 20% of the room to laugh at something that the rest is that gone. yeah the, it's going to create a wave you mm-hmm. know what i mean and i like like i have the kind i've i've jokes that i like i like to sit in the silence sometimes like i'll say a line and then just sit and wait yeah. for like it to start traveling because it's one of those things like somebody's going to giggle yeah and somebody's going to giggle that giggle's going to make somebody laugh that laugh is going to make somebody else laugh and then by like like 8 seconds later the whole room is laughing you know and I dig following that trajectory, you know? Mm-hmm. So, and that's the perfect size room for it. And then it's also, like, when you hit, like, the big, like, the those belly laugh lines, man, and you have 300 people just full-on laughing from their chest and yeah, they can't feel stop. feel awesome. Yeah, it's like directing, a like, a violent orchestra, kind right. of. Because you're like, I, like I, there are going to be moments where I want to hit, the, like, the, the heavy notes, mm-hmm. and I'm literally forcing air out of all of you, mm. you know? Yeah. But it's fun. Oh, uh, yeah. I fucking love it. Yeah. Do, you, do you ever roast anyone in the crowd? Oh, I, I do a lot of, like, the content I have online is, like, crowd work stuff and, and things like that. And, and I've done actual, like, roasts. Roasts are fun. Any roast battles? 
Yeah, yeah, like yeah. we did a in Gainesville, we had, we did like a like a festivus like Christmas roast, like and you know, mm-hmm. and so we do did it like um like a Comedy Central roast, like a whole yeah, panel, yeah. so everybody okay. had a turn to roast everybody else. Um, I've done two of those. We did one for like a Christmas one, and then we did one for a stripper's birthday. Nice. Ooh, a stripper's birthday. Yeah, because she's she's a an open micer, and you oh, know, cool. and she's so a stripper yeah. a comedian. Yes, that's awesome. She was a yeah. Her her regular job was stripper, and then her uh, her passion her, yeah was being exactly. Her hobby was stand up. Awesome. The and stripper, so, the stripper strip club pays the bills. Exactly. Yeah. But so we roasted her for her birthday, and that was like honestly that was the funnest one because I wasn't even supposed to be on it. Like I didn't I didn't know they were doing it. I just came to I was going to work do some new stuff at the open mic, and they were doing the roast after the open mic. And so I showed up and uh, Sarah, the the girl was like, hey, like, are you doing the roast? And I was like, I didn't know there was a roast. So I didn't have a chance to prepare for everybody. Mm-hmm. And then uh, her boyfriend and like the like the lady he had hired to like do her birthday cake showed up with the cake. And I got to like see this whole exchange. And I was like, no, nope, I'm doing it. Yeah, I'm talking about material. this. But I'm yeah, but I'm doing the roast. <laughs> so then I got a list of everybody on the roast. And like I had like uh, like half hour of open mic time to basically write jokes for like seven people. And, uh, and it ended up being the most fun. That's awesome. Yeah. Do you, uh, how often do you like come up with stuff when you're, when you're doing a set, a live set? Like how often do you just like come up with stuff like right then and there that day and like just think of something on the fly versus stuff that you've been writing and curating over a long period of time. So most of the stuff, like if I think about it, um, like that day, I won't do it on like a booked show. Like I'll, I'll, I'll be like, okay, I'm going to go to this, like this open mic tomorrow to try this thing. Or like Mm. depending on the show, if it's something like I said, if it's one of those things that like hits me and I'm like, I know this is going to work. Cause that's the the cool thing is like, I've been doing it long enough now and I've gotten to a, to a level where like, I'll think of something. And the, like, as soon as I think of it, I was like, that's going to work exactly the way I thought it first try, mm-hmm. you know, and like, and w- with like 89% confidence, you know what I mean? And I'll take a risk on 89%, Hell you know, yeah. I'll like, it's I can squeeze odds. that like in a, in a, 30 minute set or a 25 or 20 minute set be like okay I'll have I'll have like 12 minutes of, of good material I can take a risk at the at the 12 minute mark get this joke out see how it lands and then if it doesn't land I'll swap these two things around and come back with a like a knockout mm-hmm. you know what I mean yeah so because it could be something it could be like a really good joke or like some really good material but if the timing is off by like a second if or two seconds if the timing is off if it's not the right room for that joke mm. you know what i mean um there's all kinds of things that can like so typically i won't like throw a joke out or make any big adjustments to it until i've done it you know a handful of times at least and then be like okay this hasn't worked six times in a row. So this line needs to change, but this part worked, you know, 40% of the time. So mm-hmm. maybe I just need to tinker with this line a little bit. Right. Right. So I think it was cool. How, what's his name was telling us. I forget who, I think it was, uh, David Lucas was telling us mm-hmm. that, uh, at the, uh, the comedy club on Hollywood Boulevard, what's it called? The comedy store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. He was saying how like on Monday and Tuesday nights, just all these like fucking big shot, comedians would just come in randomly with no notice and just work, try to work on new shit that they're 
that they've written. Yeah. Or, well, that's, they the, test that's out. the thing. Like, Rogan talks about that all the time. Like, the Tuesday night lineups at the store used to be killers because it would be like, it would be like Dalia and Jezelnik and Whitney Cummings and Rogan and Chappelle and Burr all doing 15 minutes back that's to back so to back, crazy. you know. And then why wouldn't you would think that the that would be like the night everyone wants to go? You know it, what I mean? It is. So like those the, are the most packed nights at the comedy stores. Those nights and then the weekends, like right. whenever the, they have right. like the, the you weekends, know, because on the weekends they'll right. have like three of those people all headlining in different rooms, right. you know, so though it'll be more those specific fans versus like comedy fans in general. You know what I mean? Like, right. like on a Tuesday night, it's not a, like all Joe Rogan fans coming to see Joe Rogan do 15 minutes. Like they're going to want to see his hour, but they're like, you know, the people that like listen to the podcast and stuff and they like, are they just like comedy in general? Or they're like, I I've watched all six of these guys specials. Like I want to see what they're working on. Mm-hmm. It's more of those people on like a Tuesday night at the cellar. So it's more of like mm-hmm. a regular mic in that the, it's a mixed crowd. But versus, do you think they market it on the Tuesday nights and the Monday nights? Do you think they, just oh, ra- yeah. they were randomly pop? No, no, no in? they, that a, a lot of them are marketed, but then you still have guys that are, like Chris Rock might pop in, right, or like right. Dave Chappelle might like not surprise. be on the lineup. But if he shows up, they're gonna put him on. He's yeah. Dave Chappelle. Yeah, yeah, I thought it was. I thought it was really cool the fact that they would just show up unannounced. You know right. what I mean? Like you could be there. A for, lot of guys do. You could be there for fucking whoever, Bill Burr, and then Dave Chappelle just shows up. Yeah, and they do that a lot. Like that's hap- that's what happened down here in Florida. So like so. Ron White was booked at Off the Hook in Naples, but it had been so long since he'd been doing comedy that he just brought his bus to Florida and was popping in and doing different rooms mm. and stuff like that at different clubs, just showing, like, um, Joe List was at Side Splitters, right? And Ron White just showed up and was like, hey, Joe, do you mind if I do, like, 15, 20 minutes? And he's like, yeah, you're Ron fucking White, you yeah. know what I mean? So that night, the people that bought tickets to see go- Joe List got to see special guest Ron fucking White. Right, you yeah, know? that's so awesome. Yeah, and so he's doing that and then a bunch of, like, private, like, hard rock gigs, you know, and stuff for his tequila brand and all that kind mm. of stuff and just sharpening the iron before his booked shows. And then when I got to see him in Naples, he was fucking razor sharp. And then the last night he was there, because that club where you guys saw me, Mm -hmm. uh, that weekend went so great. Like, the club owner likes me a lot. And I'd I'd been there to see Ron White, and so I'd seen him just a couple, like, two days before. And so he called me, and he's like, hey, so Ron White has a closer. So Ron White finishes his set, and the show's not over. The they bring on a closer to come on and do additional time while the club drops checks and stuff like that. Like the club doesn't drop the checks at the tables until Ron White's done. Done, yeah. So he's like, "Hey, the closer was only booked for three of his four days here. Do you want to close these shows for Ron White?" And I was like, "Oh, you want me to follow Ron White? <laughs> yeah. Fuck you! Yeah, I'll do it. Uh, Hell yeah, <laughs> yeah. You can't turn that down. No, and so, no way. but I was terrified because I was like." But that was my thought. I was like, this is what it would be like if I go to the comedy store and get on a Tuesday night. It's like, I'm going to have to follow some sort of killer legend, you know. So I was like, this is the test, right? And so I was like worried because like in comedy, like if somebody before you absolutely kills, like, it, you know, you have to match that. And if you can't match that, you're in a hole right out of the gate, Mm -hmm. you know. And sometimes depending on who it is, you're just in a hole, period. You know what I mean? Like, especially in that situation, like, I'm there doing the, like, during the check drop. Like, they're, they, in their head, they've already seen the guy they paid money to see. You know, let's fucking sign this check for this two-item minimum bullshit and let's get the fuck out of here. 
But so, so I was like, in my head, I was like, I've got to dig out of two holes. So if I can dig out of two holes and do this, like that means I can do this. Yeah. You know? It was and a good test. No hole. Hell yeah. No hole. Smooth as butter, just right into material and killed it. Wow. Um, yeah. Like, so norm, basically, like, normally doing that check drop spot, like, I just do material until um, everybody leaves. Like, everyone's checks are done. Most people, like, once their checks are done, they might stay for another minute or two, but then their table gets up and leaves. So mm-hmm. I'm basically, cl- like, clearing the room, yeah. you know? But that first show, I was doing 15. I was supposed to do... Yeah, he's like he's like basically do fifteen, and at one point I re- like I was looking around and all of the servers were done and just standing around the room and I was like, all right, so I just wrapped it up right there. I like stopped two minutes short because everyone was just still in their seats, yeah. like nobody's leaving. Wow. Nobody had left. Yeah, that's awesome. wow, that's amazing. Yeah, it's so great. yeah, and so but it went so well. Like, um, the second show that he was like, dude, do twenty five. Like, we don't have another show to to do after this, mm-hmm. so just fucking go. Right. You know? So, and I did it twice, you know. It seems like such a grind to do, especially if that's your main source of income. Oh, yeah. Like, that's got to be fucking one of the most difficult things to do when you have nothing else. I mean, I understand. It, it makes so much sense if you already have money and you're comfortable. And you're like, I want to, I mean, that's what happens to most people when they make a lot of money or they make it. And they're just like, I want to switch it up. I want to go try this. Because it's not, you're not dependent on that to make money. You're just doing it because you strictly enjoy it. But that's why those people, you don't hear about those people. Like, almost no, there, there's very few famous comedians that, like, come from money. Mm-hmm. Because, you, because you have the money, you have the security, you never take it serious. Like, it's a, it's, it's a hobby to you. You know right, what I mean? Right. Versus the people that are like, look, I don't have anything else I'm looking forward to. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Like, I don't have a career. I have a job. Right. You know, or, you know, I'm a student or, like, I've had a bunch of dead-end jobs and none of them went anywhere. Like, this is the thing I like. Like, I'm going to – I want this to be my career. Mm. And, you know, the people that are like, I, this is what I'm going to use to feed myself, those are the people because they, they instill that drive in themselves right. with that, you know? Yeah, that's when you, I mean, you kind of like, that's when you... you like, literally, you my success in comedy is now necessary for my survival. Right. You know, so yeah. I have to, I have to, you know, and you keep my to. focus on that. And I have to keep working, and I have to keep pushing, and I have to keep going. I don't have a choice. And I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah. Right. Like, I, I had a bunch of different fucking jobs, and they all, eventually, I burnt out from all of them. This is the first thing I've had where it's like, one, it's mine. Like, nobody can fire me from it. Nobody can tell me, you know, as long as I'm good at doing it, I can do it for as long as I want. You know what I mean? Hell yeah. And and so I'm master of my own destiny now. And literally, like, I, tra- I drive around in a van wherever I decide. I'm like, I'm going to go here. Like, I just went down to Fort Myers for the weekend to hang out at the club there because my buddy was featuring. And I was like, I'm going to go watch him feature, you know? I'm just sleeping in the parking lot, yeah. you know? I mean, so, it's nice. It's very free. Exactly, yeah. And and, and it, there's also, like, the mental benefit of, like, every day I wake up, I have something to do. I have, like, okay, I'm, go- I'm going here, you know? Mm-hmm. Like, it's literally like you can feel your momentum because yeah. I'm literally moving, yeah. you know? Yeah, you're yeah, on a like a shark, like I can't stop swimming. <laughs> yeah. The hardest part for most people is marrying the talent with the discipline. Because that's why you say the most creative people in the world are are dining are are, are servers. 
or their their waiting tables. Yeah. Because they never found the discipline to, and they never were able to tie that lasso around their creativity, or around the muse, as some people like to call it. Yeah. And I and I struggle with that sometimes, but I also like when I'm struggling with that, I'm like, okay, what what like muscle can I build up? to make it easier to get around this. Like mm. what muscle can I build up so I can wrestle with this a little bit better? You know what I mean? So when I'm struggling with that, like I'll go to an open mic and just say what I'm thinking and literally just, I- I'm going to talk out loud until I find something funny. And yeah. this is what we're doing. Like, and now like I've created that artificial pressure you know what I mean? Like all of these people can't just watch me eat shit for five minutes. Yeah. I got to come up with something and be like basically forcing myself to respond. You know, mm-hmm. like you, you can't once you're on stage, like you can't procrastinate anymore. Right. It's time to work. You're there. You know? Yeah. hundred percent. It's got to be very therapeutic too. To a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's just cool. Cause like, like I said, I was so bad at like communicating with people. And then like, now I found this way to communicate with a large group of people. And I just, I figured out like my method of communication that lets me relate to people. You know what I mean? So at this point, like I literally need it because this is how I interact with society. Yeah. Like this is my socialization and I, I have to have socialization. Every human being does like even the most like isolative, like, you know, introverted person needs human interaction. Mm-hmm. And now I have it, you know? Do you have a podcast too? Um, I'm working on a podcast. You're the only person in the world who doesn't have a podcast. I know. Yeah. I know. <laughs> so I started a podcast early on, but it was during COVID and it was so hard to get guests. And like I said, one of the things, like I'm better in person in the room because I can read body language. I can make eye contact. I can do those things. And, yeah. you know, versus like a Zoom. I hate this. Zoom yeah. So, podcast. so it just it got so hard booking guests that I was like, well, I just can't do this right now. You know, and then with the van, I was moving around so much that I was like, well, it's hard to book guests for this. So, but now, and my current van is so small, I just didn't have a place to record like a solo, Mm. you know. But now with the new van, I'm literally setting up like the podcast studio in it. And, um, you know, wherever I'm at, like if I'm at a mic, like, hey, who wants to come do the podcast? You know, now now I just have to like lure strangers into (laughs) my van. But um. (laughs) there's some candy in the van. (laughs) The solo stuff is crazy. The people that are able to sit in front of a microphone and just talk about shit and ramble, that is some serious fucking But that's talent. the same thing we, I've been doing in my voice memos. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. I, And that was the thing. I realized, like, I've already kind of been doing this. And then, like, with all of, like, the software, like, I have the Adobe suite, right, for, like, mm-hmm. editing and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I'm like, I can use, like, the rolling record and, you know, like, think about something, go off on it a little bit, stop. And then, like, right where I left off at, start recording again, like, my next thought or idea or expand on it. And mm. it's all just one because I can roll that recording and keep, go, like, stop and go whenever mm-hmm. I want. Mm. And I was like, that's the way to do it and just come up with, like, 15, you know, it, it doesn't have to be long, like, 15 minutes of that. Just yeah, do, like, yeah. a like a rant or a solo and, you know, just pick something and go. My best person that my favorite ranter right now is that guy Tim Dillon. Oh, t- God, I love he's Tim so Dillon. fucking funny, dude. He just sits there by himself and just talks. And I've never found someone someone more entertaining that can just sit there by themselves and talk. Well, that's the thing. That's part of why it's I, I stopped doing the podcast because I couldn't get guests. And I, again, talking about like unhealthy coping and like figuring out like how to you know when I was a kid, 
I always thought there was just something wrong with my brain. You know, like my parents didn't know I was autistic because I was smart. So they just thought I was like a nerd. You Mm -hmm. know what I mean? They're like, he's just nerdy. So they put me in like every sport and club and group and stuff like that to force like socialization. So that's how I learned to socialize was I was like, "Ah, you got to do it. Like, you know, throw your kid in the water. They got to learn to swim, you know. And so I learned my coping mechanisms with interaction and stuff like that. But the other part of that was like, I realized at a certain point in life, I was like, you can't just talk out loud to yourself. People will think you're weird. So that was always a part of my brain was like, you can't talk out loud to yourself. People are going to know something's wrong with you. And now that I'm like doing comedy, I'm like, fuck, I have to talk out loud to (laughs) myself. You've been telling yourself the whole time. Or I'm going to (laughs) starve. Yeah. Did your parents put bring you around a lot of other kids when you were when you were young? Like oh toddler yeah, my, age? my parents um, both coached little league sports. Oh wow! Like my dad coached baseball and football, and my mom coached cheerleading and softball. And my mom was like treasurer of like our small town youth league. Okay, so they um, weren't like hermits, like hoarding you. No, the house th- no, no, that's what I'm saying. Like they made sure we I got socialized. Like Ooh. I said, they didn't know it was autism, but they just knew, you know. I was an intelligent kid, so they just thought I was awkward because I was, like, a nerd. You know what I mean? Like, Mm. this is going to be a real, like, pocket protector type of kid, and we got to (laughs) keep him from getting bullied. Like, we got to teach him how to talk to kids. Yeah. Teach him a a sport or a skill or something, you know? Mm. And so I just just learned by exposure, like, overexposure. Right. Sink or swim. Um yeah, but I bet I bet that does happen to a lot of people though who have like parents who don't let them out of the house, parents who are lazy, you know what I mean, who don't try to socialize their kids or mix them in other environments. That be, kids like that could grow up fucked up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen that soft white underbelly guy, Mark Leda? He's a channel called Soft White Underbelly where he he actually lives in uh, downtown LA and he has a studio right on Skid Row, and he just interviews all the homeless people, all the crackheads, oh. all the hookers, all the gang members, and he's done probably a few thousand videos already, a few thousand interviews with people. That sounds fucking cool. Yeah, it's insane. And and um, he said, like, the number one common denominator with all those people is their parents fucked them up when they were young. Just, like, lazy parents or parents who were just already addict. They just accidentally had kids, and they were just like, fuck, now this is a burden I have to deal with. Yeah. Well, and also just think about how many, like, people, like, develop mental health issues, not even because of, like, like, like purposefully or like intentionally bad parenting or like think about the kids that like messed up because their parents were just trying the best like trying their best but they just didn't know like how many like how much parenting techniques and like things like that and like child psychology has changed and like all the things we know about like you know spankings now cause these kinds of like mental health things like just all the stuff our parents didn't know right and like they were doing the best they could you know what i mean so like how do you fault someone for doing the best they could with the with the information they had at the time yeah, but I don't think that's the issue, though. No, no, I'm not, and I'm not saying it is. I definitely, there are definitely parents that were just, like, neglectful, you know, like, irresponsible, right. you know, absentee, like, all of those kind of things. And not to mention, like, abusive, violent, like, mm. the, all of those kinds of things definitely fuck you up. But then all, but that's what I'm saying, like, there's also that marginalized group of mental health issues that's, it's not that their parents were any of those things, it's just that, they didn't have the skills necessary to overcome those things. Right. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like think about like, uh, and again, this like uh, p- people who come from like poor and, and like historically impoverished places, like the, that, that triangle in Florida, <laughs> yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah. 
Like, think about the people who grew up out there with, like, you know, parents who, it's not that they are trying to be absentee, but your dad's having to work 95 hours a week, right. and your mom yeah. has a, an underlying mental health issue yeah. that mm-hmm. nobody knows about because you live in a place where you can't afford mental health services. Right. Yeah. You know, think about yeah, all of money, those people. Money is a huge thing, too, right? Yeah. Sure, yeah. Money, it, that's the the whole, you know. That's the whole thing is like money is the primary um, like hindrance to most health care, not even just specifically mental health care. Mental health care is already hard enough on its own to access just because it's so limited and there's such a stigma around it. You know, in uh, in Denmark, they will when you have a baby, they will pay you. They will pay you to have a babysitter for like the first five or six years. They'll also they'll also issue you stipends to take like parenting courses and things right. like that. Right, and, which is crazy. But isn't that the way it right. should it, be? It shouldn't be. You crazy. know what I mean? Yeah. Like, no, I have yeah, to get a I license so. to go on the road and drive because I could tr- I could drastically change the course of someone's life. Yeah. Mm. Why do I not also have to have a license to raise two people and drastically right. impact the course of right. their lives? Yeah. Yeah, you should. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Um, but it works in Denmark. It fucking, I mean, Denmark's also, it's also a very small country. It's so much different than us. Yeah. And I think that's the bigger thing is like when you have a smaller population, it's easier to pick up on outliers than when you have a large mm-hmm. massive population because you have to worry so much about that cluster. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like your outliers can't be your priority because by definition, you have to worry about the majority. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, having a, uh, I mean, <laughs> to, to like, say that people would have to get a license to have kids, that's kind of crazy, huh? That's a crazy idea. Not a license, but, like, shouldn't there be some sort of requirement? take some classes or something. Yeah. Like, not saying a license, but, like, if you're going to have a baby, mm-hmm. you have to complete these things. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you have to fill out all the paperwork at the hospital. Right. You know, you have to, t- <laughs> yeah. you have you to. You got to pay the bill. You know, you at least, like... And I'm not saying, like, there has to be a test, but at least, like, some sort of, like, hey, I've completed the the, the course materials, mm-hmm. you know? Like, I have to t- – a, a, a CNA in Florida, you know, a nursing assistant whose primary job is, like, patient hygiene and things like that. Like, to literally clean clean people and keep them hygienic, you have to complete, like, a certificate course. But you don't have to complete that same course when they hand you a new one. <laughs> right, yeah. Mm. Like, you're telling me I have to complete a course to take care of, like, the oldest Some beater old on the lot, but yeah. a brand new one you'll just hand me just with no questions asked. Yeah, it's yeah. crazy. Yeah, but when, I mean, <clears throat> when it comes to, like, kids, though, it's it's weird because it's, like, people's right to fucking have kids. You know what I mean? And if they don't, if they refuse to do all that stuff, they they refuse to be conscientious or if they refuse to be responsible, I mean, you can't really like, there's nothing we do. do. We do it now. It's we do child protective services get called when parents Mm -hmm. like, like prove to be neglectful and people in the court and the government take people's children away from them. Mm. So why is it not okay to install a preventative measure for that? Yeah. Why is it not okay to install another set of checks and balances to to limit that? Like, if we're talking about, like, protecting kids, and that's what everyone talks about as such a priority, why are we not protecting them from the start? From the start. Yeah. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, there needs to be more money that goes towards that kind of stuff. That's what I'm saying. Even if it's not like, even if it's not like a mandatory when you get to have a kid. Even if it becomes like, make it mandatory high school education. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Make early child education, child development, and things like that. Like make that a core curriculum part for schools. Yeah. Because like, think about how high the like the teen pregnancy rate is. I'm sure Florida's you know, is very high. Mo- yeah, mo- Florida's is like, going to be off the charts. Something something like 38% of high school graduates have a baby within the first year of graduating high school. So why are we not teaching them that then? Uh-huh. Like, why are we not updating what home economics is? Mm. I'll yeah. vote you for mayor. <laughs> yeah, you're, you'd be a great mayor. <laughs> I don't know about that. I don't know if I could handle it. <laughs> I don't think anyone wants a mayor taking drugs. <laughs> Vote you for the warden. Yeah, I think they do. Like, look, guys, I'm I'm still trying to figure out the like the budget for the winter parade. Yeah. Um, so I'm gonna lock myself in the office for three days, take some LSD, and I'll have it fixed by Monday. Yeah. Everybody good? Hang tight. <laughs> yeah, everybody what's hang it, tight. What's it? Didn't, didn't uh, what's his name? Isn't he like trying to run for governor? Uh, the Morgan and Morgan lawyer. I'm oh, sure. The guy, he's like the biggest weed advocate in the state. The Morgan and Morgan guy. He's in Orlando. You know him, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. John Morgan. Yeah, John I mean, if you, yeah. if you come to Florida, you've heard <laughs> yeah. it. Yeah. Offices in Jacksonville, yeah. Orlando, Tampa. Yeah. yeah. If you've seen a city bus drove by, you know Morgan <laughs> and Morgan. Yeah, homeless people know who Morgan <laughs> yeah. is. Yeah. You know? with people with no internet know Morgan and Morgan. Yeah. That's a fact. Homeless dude. people have no idea who Adam Driver is, but Morgan and Morgan. <laughs> yeah. You remember Ask Gary? I wonder what ever happened to that Ask. guy. 1-800-AXE-GARY. Uh-huh. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Call yeah. 1-800-AXE-GARY. <laughs> they, they used to sponsor the Ray Stadium. It yeah. used to be the Ask Gary Stadium. I remember they'd always be on, he'd always be on, every time I'd listen to Bubba, it'd be on, all, you know, every ad break. There was like four Ask Gary commercials in a row, always on the radio. And that dude was balling. He had like a mansion in the Bahamas. <sighs> they got run over by 411 Pain and their jingles. Oh, yeah. I think my favorite Payne. jingle is the Cars for Kids, just because <laughs> oh, yeah. it makes no sense. <laughs> How does that Which one go? That? Uh, it's like one eight seven seven cars for, for kids. kids. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> I haven't heard oh, that yeah, one. Yeah, yeah, it's on the radio. I've heard that recently for really? sure. Really? Yeah. I don't know. I don't have the radio. <laughs> yeah, I don't. Yeah, I don't listen to radio anymore. So what's next for you? What's um, next on this journey with the van? You gonna upgrade the van? You gonna you gonna buy buy a, perfect. Uh, buy a house? What are you gonna no, do? No. So uh, so I started a GoFundMe. So. My van, like I said, shitbox. Um, and it's a shitbox, uh, so it, it has leaks in the roof. You know, like I started, I, I got it converted and started driving and stuff and then found out there were leaks in the roof, like where that um, that fiberglass mm-hmm. topper is and stuff. And I've tried patching it a couple of times and the leak always comes back. And um, so I was here in Tampa a couple of weeks ago. Remember when we had like, there was like four days straight of like, torrential yeah. rain pour yep so i was here in town at that point in time and the, like i was getting ready to go to sleep uh it, like the rain had started i was almost asleep and then i just like my wet my legs were wet and i was oh, like what oh, yeah so in the middle of this rainstorm i have to like go to lowe's get a tarp mm. and a bunch of those little straps and then like try and strap it down over the roof in the middle of this downpour i get completely soaked through the bone um, and then I get back in the van after the tarp is done and everything like that. And then I'm like, I'm trying to get out of the wet clothes. I soaked everything else. It was like when a, like when a golden retriever just like shakes itself on the carpet, yeah. you know? So everything soaked and I just got so pissed. I was like, that's it. I, I started the GoFundMe and, uh, and like just wrote it all out and, and posted it. 
like more just out of frustration than anything. Yeah, yeah. And then like I woke up the next day to like three thousand dollars in donations. Nice. What? Yeah. Sick. Wow. Yeah. So I set the goal as like seventy five hundred because I was like, look, like I love this van, but like it's got all of these problems. Um, plus, it's just it's such a small van. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, I, I need something bigger and more reliable and, you know, all of this kind of stuff. And just the response has been amazing. So far, I've, It's we've, we're over $5,000 uh, towards Sick. our goal. Yeah. Um, so we actually, it's it's gotten big enough now that I actually, I bought a van. I bought a 1990 Ford Econoline, um, like, the, fa- the Falcon camper van. So it's got, like, the big topper on it with the two, like, big bubble windows over the cab. Yeah. Oh, hell yeah, It's, like, 21 dude. and a half feet long. Nice. It's got, like, a like a bathroom and, like, a sink. sink you know, yeah, full full deal. The right? works. Um, but uh, I bought it from a, a guy I'd, like, gone to high school with. It was, like, his grandpa's and had been sitting since his grandpa passed away. Um, but the engine wasn't seized up, and it, so it just needed like tires and brakes. Some TLC. And, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So we bought it, had it towed over to a mechanic. So it's there now, and they're still going through everything and calculating everything up. So we're basically trying to raise the money to make sure that the van is going to be fully operational, mm-hmm. functional, everything like that, and uh, give me enough to to do some like updating and and thin you know things for the inside, mm-hmm. and really make it like a like the the van you know what i mean right right that's super cool Um, that's amazing because that was the thing like i converted this this one basically just out of desperation you know what i mean like this was the hail mary move and it was also more of like the experiment like i'm gonna do this get out on the road and see if this is a lifestyle i can adapt to yeah right right and then i got out on the fucking road and like hell yeah dude there's just something in your spirit that like does it's super cool man so my first trip i'd say i uh, I had a show in like St. Augustine. Um, and then from that show, I left and started heading towards Austin. So I drove until like three thirty in the morning, stopped on I-10, like right at the Florida state line, like just literally found like, um, on I-10, like all of those big wooded areas in the middle of I-10. Mm-hmm. Um, I found one of those, like the dirt road pull throughs that weren't like the official ones. And yeah. it had like a little clearing off to the side. So I pulled in there and up into the clearing. And then that's where I slept like my first night on the road. And then um, leaving Austin, going to Colorado Springs, like, you just basically from Austin, you just go straight north through Texas. And then, you like, when you get up to the state line, you kind of, like, go into New Mexico and then up into Colorado. But all of that is in the mountains. So, and because of the way my schedule was all jacked up at the time, I was driving at night. So I come across the state line and into the mountains as the sun's coming up over the mountains. You know, like into Colorado and driving up and down these mountains, like, um, just like, just the sheer beauty of it. You know, like I literally, like I'm, I'm not like a pussy or anything, but I called my sister like in tears. I was like, it's fucking beautiful here. Yeah, you yeah. know, like it just does something spiritually, like just being out and like seeing that and just that feeling of, like I said, that feeling of like momentum. Like I can feel we're doing something. Yeah, you know. It, it just fills that like sense of adventure in your soul. You know what I mean? Yeah, for so, sure. That's what super was that? Cool, someone was showing. Was it you who was showing me? Someone was showing me this sick Instagram page the other day where people had these vans and they like oh, decked yeah. them out in like teak with these badass floors, like these surf vans where you could sleep, you could eat. Was that you showing me that? Yeah, yeah. What was that called? Boho vans. Boho vans. Yeah, and that's kind of like where I think I'm gonna go with this. Like when I start redoing the inside, because like there's spots where like one of the like the pop top windows was leaking, so mm-hmm. I know I'm gonna have to tear that out and redo it. So I'm gonna do like either like a 
like a nice wood or like a like a beadboard roof or something like that and give it kind of like a Florida like a beachy mm-hmm. vibe, you know, like a like a beach cabin on wheels or something. You know, and I'm going to turn, like I said, the, the captain's chairs and stuff in the front. I'll have a table so I can set up, like, an actual podcasting studio yeah. in the van. And Aiden, pull up some of those boho vans on the screen. Those are so sick. Because we, we, like, when we were young, we always used to just travel back and forth between here and the East Coast to go surfing. And our friend had a, uh, this, what kind of van did Luke have? Uh, Astro van. An Astro van. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we would all just pile in the back and just sit on the floor and fucking. So that's basically what my van is. My van is the GMC version of the Astro van, but it's the short, oh, the short okay. like passenger version, not the long cargo version. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Those are the boho vans. Oh, yeah. yeah. Those yeah, things are sick. so sick, dude. They're a lot of money though. Hey, can you throw up a uh, like a nineteen I uh, Ford Falcon camper van? He's got to pull it off back onto his little screen and do it. Yeah. <laughs> Just in case some porn. Is that what you have now? Up. The Falcon van? No. That's the new one that we that oh, okay. I bought. Um, that's at the that's at the shop now. And it's how much a, was it again? Seven thousand? No, no, no. Um, that's what uh, it is. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> I was good. That thing is sick. No, do a ninety nineteen ninety. Just leave it up yeah, there when like you type. Seventies. Okay. That's oh, what I have. Oh, shit. See the tan one? To the right. The tan one. The yep. tan, tan and blue. I basically, that one. Yeah. Basically, exactly like that. Man, that's sick. That is dope. Yeah. And you sleep up, sleep top, up top above the driver's seat? So there's there's a bed up there, but I'm probably going to convert that into like stu- all the like audio stuff for the podcast. Like mm-hmm. that's where all my equipment will be. Store, oh, yeah. And stuff then the there. back is like a uh, like a dinette that folds down into a queen-size bed. That so I'll just keep the back ass. as like the bed. That's sick. Yeah. That's super sick. Probably not very good on gas, though. Um, I mean, not great. <laughs> that is the one downside. My van has been great on gas because it's like a V6. It's a, a manual. Oh, nice. My current van's a manual. Is it yeah. really? And that fifth gear on that is like a cruising gear. So I yeah. get it on the, like, the interstate, put it in fifth Cruise. gear, and it's almost like to like turning it into a four-cylinder, dude. Like yeah. we, yeah, haul ass. Um, but that's like a V8 with like dual gas tanks. Yeah. You know? Jeez. But like I said, when I remo- when I remodel it, I'm going to take a lot of the weight out of it. So hopefully that helps with the gas. Definitely will. You know? Have you ever had anyone fuck with you when you're like sleeping over in like oh, a weird parking time. lot? Like what's the, cra- the what's the weirdest thing that's happened to you? Um, so I, s- I sleep in like weird places, you know, like I'll sleep like in a, like uh, Walmart parking lots, Kohl's parking lots, Bass Pro Shops, rest areas, truck stops. Like I'm a big fan of pilot truck stops, Hell you yeah. know, especially now because like Walmarts and places like that are closed at night now. They're not 24 hours anymore. Yeah. So if I have to take a shit, <laughs> oh, yeah. so then my current van does not have a bathroom. Yeah. yeah. They got showers, everything. Yeah. Well, and I shower, I got uh, my Planet Fitness membership, so I normally Perfect. I'll shower at a, at the gym, you know. Are they 24 hours, Planet Fitness? No. Okay. Um. Um, not currently. Um, so most like during normal everything they were. Yeah. So, um, but yeah, so shower at the planet fitness or a truck stop cause truck stops are 24 hours. Yeah. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, but like I had, uh, outside of Austin, it was like Rock Ridge, Texas. So it was like a suburb of Austin. And, uh, I pulled into a Walmart parking lot there. Um, cause I'd looked up like Austin, like camp, like camping, you know, all that kind of stuff beforehand. And it was like, yeah, Austin like allows like overnight camping at all of their Walmarts. 
But like I'd been there maybe an hour and I was just getting settled in and like I get a knock on the window and it's a police car and they're like, Hey, yeah, like this is Rock Ridge. Rock Ridge doesn't allow overnight oh, camping. But, yeah, but they were cool about it. Like they gave me like a couple they're like there's a place like over there's a bass pro shop like two exits south, mm-hmm. you know, and that's over that line so you can sleep there. and I was like, Okay, cool, you know. Um but then I found like another spot like the next night in Austin. It was like behind a gas station that was abandoned. It, it, I just from the road like I was going by and I just saw a bunch of like dirt roads going up these hills and I was like I wonder what's up there. And it's just a bunch of like cleared land or like land next to like a big like uh, water reservoir like mm-hmm. system. And so there were a bunch of like dirt roads through there and a bunch of camping spots where like people would camp. And I was like, this is perfect. I just pulled into one of the clearings there and I stayed there the next two nights, you know, and it was far enough like away from like the roads and up on this hill where like nobody could see me. The sound didn't bother me. I was basically by myself. I ran like my generator with the big AC, all that kind of stuff. Like it was great. That's amazing. Um, and then I was at a truck stop in Maryland, uh, and I had a, uh, I had somebody, okay, I was at a truck stop in Maryland and I was like in the van and I would like watch TV, like, like Netflix and stuff on my iPad. So I was like watching something on my iPad and I kept hearing this noise and I was like, is that part of the show? And then I pause it and I, and I was like, okay, it's not part of the show cause I can still hear the noise. And it's like this, like That's noise. Weird. Yeah. And I was like, what is that? You know? And so I have those, like I said, I have those, um, those insulator panels up over my windows. Yeah. Right. So I like undo the Velcro and like pull down the thing to like look outside the van and see where the noise is. And there's a truck stop prostitute sucking dick two and a half feet away from my window. <laughs> That's great. No way. Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. Oh yeah. Just a trucker leaned up against his rig, just getting his. And they were that van. close. They were parked literally right next to you. Yeah. Right next to me. Didn't even bother to get into the camper, in, into the fucking truck or anything, nope. just right outside. Yep, just because of the way, like, the parking lot was turned. Like, there were, like, we, I was on, the t- like, the back side of that parking lot. There was, like, a wooded area back there. And then there was, like, 17 trucks between them and, like, the rest of right. the, you know. So nobody could see them back mm-hmm. there. And they must have assumed, like, I was inside at, like, the diner or yeah. something. Right. Or they were, like, they could hear the iPad. And so they're like, oh, he's not going to notice. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. Or he's just a trucker and he just didn't give a fuck. Yeah. So there was that. Just another lot lizard. Um, And then here in Tampa, um, I was in a CVS parking lot um, because so typically when I stop uh, for the night, like wherever I'm going to like wherever parking lot or wherever I end up, I'll get out when I first get there. And uh, I like on my Apple Watch, I'll basically just get away from the van so it doesn't fuck with my compass, and I'll make sure like I get exact east so I know where the sun's coming up from, so that way I can find like a spot with that's gonna have the most shade throughout the day, mm. you know. So I'm like, you know, I'll get under these trees because the sun's coming up from over here, so these trees will block me during noon, and that tree over there will like block me from the sunrise. Wow, you know, you're like a real hunter gatherer. Mm-hmm. Little bit, yeah, real frontiersman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but uh. So I'd done all that. I was under these trees in the CVS parking lot because it was next to a Walmart, and I just happened to see it, and I was like, this looks like the best spot based on sunrise, all that kind of stuff. So I get parked. I get in the back of the van, and I'd just done um, – that was the night – that was the same night as the Ron White shows. 
So, because I just driven drove back to Tampa after the second show because I had a show here the next night. So I, that's like a two hour drive, two and a half hour drive. So I was like, I was so amped up. I was like, I'm not going to sleep in the next three hours anyway. So just I hauled ass back to Tampa. So, but I get there, I get settled into the van and I go back and like start watching my recording from my first set. Right. Mm -hmm. And like, it was like three minutes in, I get like a big applause break. And I was so giddy and happy and stoned uh, that I was like talking (laughs) out loud to myself. Right. And so I'm literally like watching my video on my phone and I'm giggling out loud like a maniac and like I'm listening to it in my Bluetooth headset. So like I'm the only one that can hear the video. Right. And so I yell out loud. I'm like, I'm a murderer. Right. (laughs) Talking about the video. Right. And then I just hear from the ear that doesn't have an earbud in from outside of the van. I hear me too, bro. Uh And I literally, I panicked, and there was, like, there was, like, a homeless guy, like, who had just been going by that saw the van, was just like, eh. and then he just heard me yell, I'm a murderer, and he's like, me too, do you want to do this? Like, I, I guess he thought I was threatening him or out? something. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, no, he was just checking out my van. He's like, this is the coolest homeless setup I've ever seen. <laughs> like, just admiring my lawn, basically, as a yeah. homeless person, you know. Did you invite him in? No. I just heard, basically, like, I was talking about my video, I was like, he's not watching a video. He's serious. You know? Yeah, he's serious. So I was like, I was like, seriously, man, like I'm armed. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you guys would have had a great combo. Probably. I've had conversations with other homeless dudes like all the time. Like, so that's the weird part about living in the van, right? Like, I joke around about it, but I'm te- I am technically homeless. You know, well, right. I'm houseless. Like, mm-hmm. I have shelter and an engine, and mm-hmm. that's basically mm-hmm. it. You know, um, but it's weird, like. Other homeless people will still ask me for money, right? So, right, like, yeah. I was doing uh, – I went to an open <laughs> mic in Orlando uh, that's right downtown, and it's right um, – it's, like, one block over from the Amway Center. So when there's not Amway events, we can park on that, like, on that street for the open mic. So I was parked, and I was early because I was coming into town from somewhere else. So I was just early. So I had my – it was, like – I don't know, like January, February. So it was like nice and cool outside. So I'd parked, I had the windows rolled down and I was just sitting there like with my notebook, just like scribbling notes and writing out ideas. And, and this homeless guy comes up, he's like, Hey man, like, you know, he starts talking to me. He's like, Hey, like, can you, do you have like a, you get like some money or something? Like, you know, like uh, I'm homeless. And I literally, I was like over my shoulder. I was like, bro, you can see where I sleep. Like I'm also homeless. Do you have some money? Like, (laughs) That's funny, man. Yeah. I was like, just assume if you can see where someone sleeps from the door of their home, yeah. they don't have money for you. Yeah. That's cool, though, with a van and interacting with all those weirdos on the road. That probably gives you way more material. You know what I mean? Way more interactions with weirdos. Oh, yeah. Way more opportunities for material. Well, and that's the thing. Like, being out on the road, not just being out on the road, but, like, being at mics, being with other comedians. Like, again, it's like that socialization that I didn't have for a long time. Yeah. And so I'm re- I'm getting those skills back. And also, it's like people I can talk to about pretty much anything because we all have this one com- thing in common. So even if I'm talking, like going off on a tangent on something else, you know, like it's everyone understands it's in the frame of comedy. So somebody's mm-hmm. like, hey, that do that as a bit. That's a good, that was a good bit. You know, even yeah. if it's something like, you know, they disagree with intellectually or like, you know, things like that. But, um, 
Yeah, man, just, like, being able to be around, like, creative people again and getting that socialization of, like, being out on the road and, like, realizing, like, oh, I have that skill back of being able to talk to people again. So now, like, in gas stations, like, I'll, you know, talking to the cashier and talking, and I'm like, oh, I'm doing that again. Mm -hmm. I'm talking to strangers again. Mm -hmm. That kind of thing. So, like, doing comedy has helped me rebuild those skills that I had lost because, people don't realize like autism can be regressive. They normally people are like, Oh, like if you get, when you get diagnosed, they're like, Oh, this is what you're diagnosed with. This is how you are. Like, this is how it'll always be. Yeah. But it can get better or worse. You know what I mean? Like, uh, and people, that's just not something people normally think about. Like, um, and I realized I had regressed a lot in those like years where I'd started becoming more hermity, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. And so now we realize like, Oh, I've built these skills back up and like, just where my mental health is is just different now. Like I feel better. Like comedy has helped me feel better. And like, you know, how yeah. how how what better way to guarantee it's not like or to know like it's not one of those hobbies that I'm gonna get burnt out on and and you know drop again. Right, because it's it's it's, it's cha- fulfilling it's changing something for who me. You are. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it literally like from the bottom yeah. up. It literally makes you better at every aspect of what you try to do. Yeah. And enhances your way of thinking and looking at the world. So it's it's not only just like this thing that I love to do, and not only has it become my profession, but it's also literally like an occupational therapy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like not people talk about comedy as therapy all the time, but like it's not so much. I mean, it, it is therapeutic to like speak your truth out loud, sure. but it's also just that therapy of like interacting with people. You know? Yeah, that's really cool, man. Sweet. Well, that was two hours, dude. Thank you Fuck again yeah. for coming on. Absolutely. That was fucking amazing. Yeah, man. Thanks for coming. Tell the listeners and everybody where they can follow you and find all your work online. Yeah, absolutely. Um, AJ Wilkerson Comedy on Instagram, Facebook, and then Captain Autism on uh, TikTok hmm. and Twitter. Um, on Twitter, there's an underscore at the end. And uh, I think on TikTok, there's an underscore in the middle between Captain and Autism. Sweet. I'll link yeah, it in the... because uh, apparently there's another one of us out there. There's another uh, one? Yeah. Unlike Highlander, there can be more than one. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, there's another one out there. So, I got the underscores. Um, but, yeah. Captain Autism, AJ Wilkerson. Sweet. Yeah. Appreciate it so awesome, much, man. guys. Thanks for coming. Yeah, thanks again, bro. Absolutely. Absolutely.